Hello, everyone. Welcome to Developing Palettes. I am Aaron Loomis coming to you from the Drew Estate Studio. And with me tonight is John McTavish from the Pastania Studio. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. Uh, I already whinged a little bit on our recap videos. Uh, I'm 49 years old, and I thought it would be a really good idea to do weekend labor for money. And uh, I remembered why you shouldn't be doing that at 49 years old, because the body can't really handle that. So a steady diet of IPAs and a cigar, I should be right as rain any any minute. And this is out in the snow and stuff too, right? Mm. Of course, yeah. The only blessing was that it was... Um, Mid fifty degrees in the in the mountains, which is very bizarre. So at least uh, I didn't freeze any toes or fingers off. Um, but I'm a, I'm a little banged up. I'm not gonna lie, my lower back uh, has seen better days. So yeah, yeah. All right. So tonight is our annual uh, cigar media recap show for, and we're doing 2023. Obviously, since uh, that year has just wrapped up, and uh, as always, we like to invite some of our cigar media friends to join us and uh talk about how the year went and prognosticate about the future coming year um so i will introduce our guests uh first i will introduce from cigar dojo master sensei himself mr eric gatormson how you doing eric i'm doing good my man i'm ready to rock and roll i'm excited to be on the show got some some beer ready to drink and some cigars ready to smoke fantastic thank you for joining us all right. Also from Cigar Coop, Mr. William Cooper. How you doing, Will? Hey, I got a problem. All right. What's the problem? All right. I got this box of my father, Labor You, 100 años, right? Yeah. And I want to smoke one tonight. Uh, yeah, okay. I got this brand I new box. I didn't, I didn't but, think you could. But, I thought they're impossible to buy. They're impossible to buy. It shouldn't be a number one cigar to you. But the bigger problem, guy, is, uh, and I was told I don't smoke enough of these. Um, will you guys let me smoke one of these without a receipt? Yes, if you don't have a receipt, you can. Uh, okay, you can thank smoke you. It, show, yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure because you know, told told reviewers, you know, buy cigars have to have a receipt. So, just want to make sure. Yep, <laughs> you got a free pass tonight. Yeah. All right, thank you. Should be good to go. Yeah. Coop, you can do whatever you stinking want. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So I'm told I can't. So you know, I get the bullied enough. You get bullied enough for that. Nah, yeah. Who, hey, yeah. Well, what are you gonna live live by their rules? Screw mm -hmm. them. You do mm -hmm. what you want. I will do it. All right. So before we get started, let's uh, take a little pass about what people are uh, drinking and smoking this evening. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Coop. I know you're smoking that, my father. Uh, yep. Are you are you diet coking it up tonight, or what's what's happening? It, it's diet Pepsi. We oh, uh, oh, what, what, what's happening? Uh, you know, the person who buys groceries in the house bought diet Pepsi, so <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not the one who buys groceries. All right. All right. That's a party foul. Yeah. 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 All right, Eric, how about you? What are you smoking tonight? What are you drinking tonight? Well, I'm going to smoke. Right now, I'm smoking the Aging Room Rare Collection, but it's it's almost done. I'm preparing to smoke this delicious Tatawahe 20th anniversary. That's really what I had planned for the show. So I'm going nice. to smoke this guy. I am drinking, obviously, a little Topo Chico, but I've got this... Uh, this Wiley Roots Lager. Now, Wiley Roots, Ooh. they're sort of known for their crazy beers. Um, they're uh, like slushies and all kinds of really, they're, they're almost like an experimental uh, brewery. Mm -hmm. But this is interesting because it's just a lager. And so um, look at the beautiful color on this, you guys. Just gorgeous looking. There you go. 
beer. So um, yeah, it's really good. Just a simple lager, but done, you know, like in a craft way. <laughs> All right, John, what are you drinking and smoking tonight? Uh, well, my my standby is Tokyo Drift, the turbocharged IPA. This used to be kind of a limited seasonal beer, um, but I think enough people like me said, you know, you guys should really make this not limited, and then they did, and so now we can get it year-round. Um, it's kind of just a really nice, crushable IPA. Uh, it's one of the few ones that I find pairs really nicely with cigars because the hoppiness of it isn't, like, super astringent. It's just got, like, that really sort of nice West Coast citrusy balanced not too much in your face and then uh because my birthday week i feel like just continues on uh for weeks i can just keep smoking in in honor of my birthday i went back to the uh to the uh you know the old stock and i've got a warped uh maestro del tempo from the original release series and man these are so good so glad I lit that up tonight. And then, uh, and, you know, I don't know how long we're going to go, but just in case, I have a, a new Fonseca on, on deck, just in case there you go. to follow up. Great cigar. Great. I still, such I've a good been cigar. really, it is. Yeah, really such is. a good cigar. Yeah. Careful, people are going to call you a My Father fanboy or Coop. Keep going with that. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. two my fathers. Yeah. Two in a row, yeah. Two in a <laughs> row, yeah. That's right. The world we live in. <laughs> uh, I'm not Ridiculous. smoking. I got a little uh, four. Four rows of single barrel here tonight, so let's mm. go with that. So, is that the single barrel barrel proof or just the single barrel? Just a single barrel. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So the way we, this usually goes, we're going to tackle a couple of topics. We're going to start on the positive side, uh, and then we'll go down negative town. But uh, yeah, we're going to start out uh, on the nice side. Uh, so tonight, what we're going to start out with is talking about some surprises in regards to individual cigars or brands this year. Um, just you know, something that jumped out at you in 2023 that uh, maybe you weren't expecting, or you were expecting good things, but it still surpassed your expectations uh, on a single cigar or or a brand as a whole. So uh, we're going to start with you, John, on this, and then we'll kind of go around the group. Um. So I actually was really, and and this, I mean, I know I'm kind of a little bit of an Espinosa fanboy, but I was really impressed with the uh, Las Cess Provincia release this year, which is the uh, if I can read my notes in my giant microphone, the CMT. Um, which isn't to say that they haven't been good. I've, I've really enjoyed the releases over the year, but uh, I don't think I was expecting this year's release to be kind of my favorite. And it really kind of from the first few puffs, I was like, oh, this is, you know, really my jam. Um, it's not as intense as a lot of Espinosa releases. It's not even as intense as some of the previous Las Cess Provincias, which is maybe why it speaks to me, because it's got some depth you have to reach for. Um but that was really nice. Should I just do my do my three, or do you want to go around? Or go for it? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I think Rainier is killing it uh, with his new factory. That's HVC. And, you know, it's a very small brand, but um, man, he he's put out some really really great cigars over the years. His Black Friday, I think a lot of people are familiar with. Um, so the Selection Number One uh, is, I think it was kind of his first release out of the new factory. And you know, I'm a bit of a cynic because I've been around for a few years. So I know that, like, look, when you have a new factory, there's a breaking period. And sometimes that first few cigars, you know, it might be a bit of a thing. And instead, he's just like, no, we're just going to release a good cigar out of the gate. And I was like, okay, well, that's that's a way to go. And so I was definitely uh, both surprised in a pleasant, happy way and impressed with him being able to get up and running and just get a banger out of the gate. And then lastly, uh, the CLE PCA exclusive. And, and again, I think this is more of the cynicism of being around the industry for a while. 
I was like, you know, PC exclusive. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Uh, but I really wasn't, I wasn't, expe- I wasn't expecting to be impressed. I was expecting it just to be, you know, a normal cigar. It'll be fine, whatever. But it was, it was good. It was worth the wait. Um, I mean, obviously I'd like to smoke it right after the PCA, but that's not how things work in the industry. And so we, we got it after a bit of a wait. Pretty happy about that. All right. Eric, how about you? Any, uh, particular cigars or brands that really kind of surprised you or, or stood out for you this year? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think, um, uh, McTavish, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, it seems like the HVC wasn't this year. It was last year, 2022. And then this year that he did the, the natural version of it. Oh, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're um, But yeah, that doesn't November discount. Or October, or October, yeah. 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 doesn't discount what you said. Cause you were hundred percent right. Like, uh, that cigar was such a banger. I love that. Now, I, I wasn't as exactly as enthralled with the natural version. I'm oh, not saying it was bad. Uh, but I thought the first one, I thought the first one was really good. Uh, I have three cigars that sort of took me by surprise this year. Uh, the first one, kind of like uh, Aaron said, I, I wasn't surprised. I, I shouldn't have been surprised by it per se, but I ended up being surprised about how good it really was going to be. And that was the uh, Crux Habano. Like, I I liked all the Epicures that they've done so far. But that Epicure Habano, it was so stinking good. I love that cigar. I smoked so many of those cigars this summer. Just a ridiculous amount. And so while I, I expected it to be good, um, to Aaron's point, I didn't expect it to be that good. So that's that's one for me for sure. Uh, another cigar that really surprised me was the La Aurora 120th Anniversary. Uh, super good cigar. And then uh, finally, the um, uh, I'll go along with uh, McTavish and the Espinosa theme, except for mine was the Murcielago TAA because oh. I, when I, I smoked that, I just, I'm not, I'm, again, it wasn't like I wasn't expecting anything, but, you know, it was a light version of a Murcielago. And so I was just like, okay, whatever, no big deal. And I remember having that um, and saying, holy cow, like this, this cigar is fantastic. I love that stinking cigar. I thought it was fantastic. I'm, and then I'm the jealous surprise, I didn't get to smoke it. Oh, yeah. You got to get your hands on it. It's, it's so good. I love that uh, cigar. It's yeah, really to me, like I've, I'm sort of in the stage of my smoking, uh, you know, cycles where you go through cycles and like Maduro's for a while, you like Connecticut's for a while. Like I'm, I'm just really into that natural wrapped uh, cigar. So that one just really hit for me on kind of all levels. Um, and then the the brand that surprised me um, is Illusioni because they go to a new factory, the Ocatel factory, AJ's Ocatel factory, and did the original documents, um, Habano. And that thing is just milky chocolate. And so so I, I picked them as a brand because, you know, Dion sort of has this sort of flavor profile that you're kind of used to. It's either, you know, the Epernay sort of flavor profile or he has his Aganor sort of f- flavor profiles that he he does. So then when he was going to a new factory, I was kind of worried, like, you know, how's this going to go? Like, but it, it, he nailed it, man. It's just absolutely milk chocolate table cream buttery everything that you want and so that's my surprise factory even though obviously they're not a surprise but going to a brand new factory for a brand is kind of risky and he pulled it off perfectly nice all right coop how about you for surprises um and i'm gonna count this for 2023 releases even though my calendar is a little off as you know so i'll keep it to 2023 the one i'm gonna kick off with and this was a big surprise for me came from cle as well it was the sensorium 
Uh, hmm. It was the uh, Asin 60, and that's the tobacco, that's the cigars using the Pinarino tobacco in it. That was a fantastic, fantastic cigar there. And uh, it's a pricey cigar. It's not cheap. Um, it's about, I think it's $50, but I felt like it definitely smoked like a super premium cigar as far as that goes. So I was really impressed with that. That's one of the, gonna be one of, it's already eligible in, on the 2024 list. Um, I'll echo the HVC Selection Number One Natural. Um, I have been pretty critical of Rainier's when it comes to Habano tobacco. I just felt that's been kind of his weak spot. And finally, he put out a Habano blend that I really, really like. And I think I I know there's always a battle between the Maduro and the Natural, and I think people are on different sides of the fence. I think that's a great thing to have when you have a line like that, and you can argue on which one's better. And then. I know it's a cigar that, that came out very late last year, but um, I, I actually, you know, again, I bought a box of these. Uh, the Perdomo 30th Anniversary Maduro uh, in the Epicure, which is the kind of the Toro, like the Robusto size. Um, fantastic. I think of the 30th anniversaries, that's the best one. I find it it's the closest thing I've had to a rotation cigar in a while. So, you know, th- those three, I think, were my my picks. I, yeah, I got a bone. You? I got a bone to pick with Coop on that. Uh-oh. I got All a right. bone to pick with Uh-oh. Coop on that. Throwing down the gun earlier. How, how could you say that Rainier's weak spot is his Habanos? That's crazy. That's what. His name me, what's the other Habano that he's released that's been good? Isn't the uh, 500 year anniversary Corojo? That's Corojo. Mm, yeah, he did, he does right. Connecticut Broadleaf really well and does Corojo really yeah. well, but. No, he, he, look, the 500th anniversary, I think, is one of the best cigars he's ever done. All right. Well, you, I, stand, I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the patina anniversary that we made yeah. as our number one cigar of the year. It was, um, you know, I like most cigars. I'm not That's. I'm not saying that this just came out of nowhere, but, um, you know, he, he doesn't do new releases very often. And this was an interesting release, and it was very good. Um, and, um, you know, not saying that we need, he needs to go regular production or anything like that, but like, it was just a good offering at the time. And I, I thought that was really enjoyable. Um, I'll echo everybody's sentiments about HBC. Um, I would say that's probably the, it, it's just a brand that like is doing things really well, uh, regardless if you're large or small, it doesn't really matter, but it's a yeah. brand that I don't think gets a lot of attention. Um, so, you know, if people are not familiar with HBC, they really should check it out and uh, to get a sense yeah. of what the brand is to see if it's something that's up their alley. Cause um, you know, he's, do, you know, doing stuff out of his new factory he still does, you know, did like the rare, rare at El Teton. So, you know, there's still got a mix of stuff going on. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but a brand that um, continues to do well for me is JRE, oh. um, especially when they're mm, doing the Lanceros, yeah. but even the limited edition this year, that's not the Lanceros, oh, you know, it's a so Toro. It's just such a yeah. good cigar. It yeah. is, you know, the, you know they do have cigars that just really miss for me, but they usually they usually fix that with the Lancero version of it because I don't like it in the Robusto or the Rothschild or the Toro, but then they'll do it in the Lancero and then it will be great. So um, I, I like that they keep cha- you know playing with the blend in different sizes and stuff like that. So there, there's going to be something that somebody should like, right? You're not going to you know uh, just completely be a complete miss, in, you know, in a category. So, Aaron, did you did you have the Sumatra? Um... I did not smoke the Sumatra this year. It's really good. I didn't it think good? it. Was, I didn't. I didn't like it. 
Okay. I liked it. I thought it was but, well, when they do the Lancero, I'll smoke it then. But I'll I love I love the limited edition, which yes. is the one you brought. Oh, that's a that's fantastic a camera. And the, yeah. the classic they did in the Elegante, I really enjoyed it. I I really did not like it on the initial release, uh, but the in Lancero, it was it was wonderful. Mm. Um, the other nice thing about that brand is that they're the cigars are usually are not expensive. Yeah, even the yeah. limited edition was only what fifteen sixteen bucks. Um, yeah. But the Lanceros are like. Eight sixty nine dollars. Like it's you almost ridiculous. do a double take because you're like, is yeah, this twenty sixteen? Right. Like, what's going on with these prices? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, and Honduran tobacco, which is usually not a lot of people's cup of tea, right? Yeah, it's starting to get out there and starting to, you know, they're starting to, you know, grow on people and stuff like that. But uh, you know, when when they do it right, um, it can be very enjoyable. So, that Aaron, was, Aaron, I have to say the uh, the um, Aladino Cameroon, I did not like it when I first smoked it. Yep. Until I had the Lonsdale size, and then I absolutely freaking loved it. Like I couldn't yeah. get enough of it. Like it was such yeah. a dramatic difference in Vitolas. Like that's what, still one of my favorite cigars, but only in that Lonsdale size. I didn't like the Toro. Yep, I was in the. I think I was in the same boat. Uh, I mean, uh, I yeah, I didn't like it as much. So yeah. I definitely like Lancero or the, the you know that that format better. So yeah. thinner ring gauge. Usually, sometimes it doesn't work because you're taking take stuff out of the blend but um it works for them so yeah um all right let's go let's look to the other side now we're going to talk about maybe some disappointments from this year so same kind of format Mm. maybe it's an individual cigar that just you know left you left you hanging or maybe it's a brand for the year that just kind of you know made you shake your head like man i it's this didn't go their way this year so i have a um, prediction all me coop and mctavish are all going to have the same cigar yeah Wow. Okay. I, yeah. I think All right. we're going to have it too. Yeah. So let's flip it around a little bit. We're going to start with you, Coop. You can start with the disappointments. Okay. Uh, number one, and this, I had high hopes for this because I like the original um, version. It's the Matilde Serena Maduro. Mm. I I mm. loved, I loved the, that the Connecticut they did. So I said, okay, they're going to do a lighter Maduro. It was, it was not good. I haven't had mm. a Matilde Coraline that I was so disappointed in wow. as the Matilde Ma- Serena Maduro. It just was a complete miss. Second one, and, and Eric's going to yell at me on this one. <laughs> oh, God. No. Matapa. What? Are you Ma- out of your mind? <laughs> Matapa was a complete miss. I'm no, sorry, Nick. Coop, you are crazy. That's no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> there are other people who... That's are, just okay. crazy talk. Uh, look, Nick... That's the Sumatra's not your comfort comfort zone. Please, please don't do that in your comfort zone anymore. <laughs> it's just, I'm sorry, Nick. That's the worst cigar you blended. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. I feel I love your stuff, Nick, but that one was a miss. Both natural claro, it didn't matter. And, and number three, and I and I, this was a painful one to admit. And it's not a Sumatra release either. I had such high hopes for this cigar. I talked about it on Eric's show the other night, so he knows what I'm talking. Yeah. La Verada. I, I yeah. just didn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's for. I had such illusions of what that cigar was going to be, and I'd rather smoke the fifty dollar Asylum to be honest with you than that. I, it just yeah. it was not for. It did not smoke a good ultra premium cigar to me, so it was a big miss in my book. From Crown Heads. All right, Eric, your turn. Let's see if well, you can match up with Coop. I, I only have one on my list that, that like <laughs> struck me as a major disappointment because I I bought so many and it's not cheap and <laughs> I was so excited about that Crown Heads Lavarada everything uh-huh. about it screamed Eric you're gonna love this cigar yeah like, the way it, the way it looked 
the blend, all everything. I was just so excited about that scar, and it I I didn't like it. And then Jordan was like, "Oh, come on, like you're you you just don't have a your palate shot or whatever, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Oh, I'll give it another shot." And then he tried it; he didn't like it. And then I tried a couple more. Like I just found myself struggling to get any flavor out of that cigar. It was so bizarre. Like I'm just that's just not a Crown Heads thing. I'm a big fan of the company and I love most of what they do, but to me, huge miss. Yeah. All right, John, how about you? Yeah, I didn't have the specifically the love Rada on my list, but I don't disagree. Um, and, and again, I think it comes from a place of kind of being a bit of a crown heads fanboy where like, I really wanted it to be a cigar we were talking about on the top 25 list at the end of the year. And it, and, it, and so it was, you know, it was a bit of a disappointment because I, I wanted to see it up there. Um, Eric's going to hate, hate me for two <laughs> cigars. One is, uh, the La Aurora 120th. Um, really? I've had some wow. just incredible mm. cigars out of La Aurora. In fact, some of the best cigars I've ever smoked have been out of La Aurora. Uh, like some, it. you know, go ahead. So no, I just said, I really like that one. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, and, and you know, it, it tastes as subjective, so it could be a me problem. Yeah. Um, maybe my expectations are too high, but I was just, it, you know, it wasn't bad. I was just, I was expecting it to be a, mm. a blockbuster and I gotcha. was like, it's okay. It's okay. It, but wasn't, I was, I it wanted, wasn't quite what I wanted either yeah. of a Laura or anniversary, but it wasn't terrible. I didn't it think it was terrible. terrible. It just, I, yeah. you know, I wanted it to be, again, a cigar that we were talking about in the top 25 list at the end yeah. of the year, and it just didn't didn't make it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have the Matapa up there for sure. Uh, <laughs> we just finished doing our Claro review. Uh, I was hope I had a poor experience with the Maduro, and I was like, well, that's okay. We got a, we got a Claro. You know, that'll pull it out. Uh, did not have much of a better experience with the Claro, and and I actually go one step further. I love Nick. I love the stuff he does. He's put out so many great cigars, and like all his cigars this year for me were just a miss. The 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 Olmec Maduro, the Olmec Claro, the Matapa Claro, the Matapa Maduro. Across, I was just like, do I have? That was a miss. Do I have twelve months of COVID? Like, what's going on? Uh, I just all of them didn't didn't make my uh, my personal my personal taste profile and uh, you know prior to this I would say I could pick up anything from from Nick and know that I'm gonna have a like a great experience not a good experience but a great experience so that was uh, that was a little disappointing I was you know well. I was a lot disappointed but I think he should have held off on the top of even after Olmac it was too mm. soon. Sure. I think you had to give Olmac a time to grow in the market. Even so, even if Batapa was good, I think it was a mistake releasing it when he did. Yeah, I can see that. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to start out with a brand, uh, and it goes along with the cigar that you guys have mentioned, uh, and it's just Crown Heads uh, overall for the for the year. Um, La Verada was probably the cigar I liked best from this them this year, but it wasn't a cigar I liked. It was just that was the highest rated one I had, but. Um, the other stuff, uh, Azulia Oro and uh, the Mildias uh, Marinitos, both not not good either. It was just, I, it just seemed like a miss. Even the Ozgeners, um were not good, not good for me this year. It just, I I don't know. It's just the Calabaris was good. I'll say that. The, but I, I didn't smoke that one. I so I couldn't. Yeah, that it, was but, okay. oh, out of out of my father fanboy. Yeah, uh, but yeah, <laughs> but I had yeah, that see, one down. Blue smoke. And I like the Mildias. The Mildias, I think I was the, uh, I think that was a high score on that because that one, uh, that one really hit for me. 
Yeah. But agreed on the um, um, on the others. Uh, a cigar that I, I I think was a big miss was the uh, Patron Family Reserve Natural Number Ninety Six. I didn't smoke mm. the Maduro after that Natural, but um, just uh, I expected more, especially for you know another uh, expensive. I was high on know, that one. Anniversary I thought release. The, I liked the ninety five and the ninety no, two, the ninety six. I didn't like the ninety fives. Okay, yeah, yeah, but I, I but the Maduro was better, is what I'll say. But a cigar that really takes the cake for me is the uh, the Sencillo Black Lancero, um, uh, a Placencia made cigar that was just the worst, some of the worst construction I've ever experienced in a cigar, and and it was pretty much across the board for everybody that we that we smoked with. Um, I just don't know how those cigars made it out of a factory, so especially <laughs> Placencia, it just it baffles it it blows my mind. So. Um, you know, I, I can see if, you know, maybe come out a little bit wet and, you know, but you can't expect a consumer to like dry box it for a month to try to get it to be something that's smokable. So, um, yeah, I had high hopes for it, you know, a, a, a nice, uh, affordable Lancero, you know, a la JRE, but it, it didn't happen. So, uh, there we go. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about some trends uh, from 2023. And I have a couple on my list, but feel free to throw any any topics out and we can hit them back and forth. But um, uh, And this will be a, a topic that we talk about later when we talk about uh, 2024. Uh, but um, a lot of Ecuadorian wrappers um, on cigars. Um, I, I, can, I have a review queue that we have built up for the team so that we kind of have listed what we have. And I think at one time I had uh, like 14 or 16 cigars in a row that had uh, Ecuadorian wrappers of different varietals. So did you guys see a lot of Ecuadorian wrap cigars from what you guys were smoking this year? Yeah. And unfortunately they were in the varietal. I didn't like Sumatra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, there was no Sumatra that wowed me last year. It was just really, it was a down year. Like if this, and, and um, this is probably going to change with, what's going on in Ecuador, which is, I'm hoping is good. I don't mind Ecuador and Connecticut shade. Habano is hit or miss me, but the Sumatra, I just stop. I don't want to yeah. see any more Sumatras. Yeah. So yeah. I went into this. Um, I mean, I knew there's a lot of Ecuadorian rappers out there, but I went into this going, uh, I was like, I feel like, you know, Ecuadorian was definitely the number one rapper, but um, San Andre was like the number two. And then I kind of just used our, um, our top 25 list is sort of the, uh, you know, the canary in a coal mine sort of thing. And, uh, boy, was I wrong. Um, Ecuadorian was like 12 of our top 25 for rappers. I mean, granted they weren't, they weren't all the same rapper, right? You know, you've got some Sumatra, you've got some Connecticut, et cetera, et cetera, but 12 out of 25, that's a lot. Like that's, you know, we're almost at the halfway point of, of, of our whole top 25 list. The surprising one can you guys guess at what the, the, the number two rapper was for, for the top 25 DP list this year? Because it came as a shock to me. Cameroon. No. No guesses, Aaron? Not Broadleaf. Oh. Could be Broadleaf. USA, USA the... Tobacco was, was yeah. I mean, it wasn't all Broadleaf. There's some Pennsylvania in there. Um, but USA was the, was the second highest number of rapper on, on our list, which... Uh, I did a bit of a double take. I was like, that doesn't seem right to me, but numbers don't lie. All right. Uh, how about the trend of anniversary cigars? Are you, um, are you anticipating that you 
want them to produce more of these? No. I mean, <laughs> why the not? Pro- Wait, why, why <laughs> okay, some companies do it okay. But, you know, this is the scenario I hate, okay? We're going to do an anniversary cigar, but we're going to go to another factory to do it, right? So you work with this factory for, for a long time, and then suddenly we're going to go to another factory to do it, right? I want to see if you're going to do an anniversary cigar, do it with the person who got you to the dance. If you're contracting with that factory for years, do it with the person who got you to the dance, in my opinion. To me, I don't know. It, it just doesn't make a, a lot of sense with that. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I've seen, you know, I, I look, I get a hundred on your cigar for the for the patriarch of the uh, my father family. Next year is gonna be crazy. This this year and next year are gonna be crazy with anniversaries, just so you know. There's a lot coming up. So um I don't know, like you said, you know, the Perdomo 30th, I like the fact that it's a regular production cigar as opposed to a limited. So, you know, I would say if you're going to do an anniversary cigar, make it regular production. But, you know, don't do it that often to do it. You know, I just don't like I'm just tired of the one and dones as well. I um, I mean, I, I didn't really look to see how many, you know, you know, like count the number of anniversaries we did. So it's really an anecdotal feeling thing. But I didn't really feel like this year was uh, was an outlier for anniversaries. Like, I, like I, somehow in my head, I feel like two years ago or a year ago, there was maybe double the amount of anniversary cigars that were out. I feel like you know this year seemed like a normal amount. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't seeing like a company that's only been in business for three years doing an anniversary cigar. I saw you know companies that have been around for ten years or twenty years or thirty years doing anniversary cigars, and I was like, okay, you know that that tracks. That makes sense. You're not doing a a four-year anniversary cigar, you do, you're doing a, like a legitimate limited edition anniversary. Um, and to be blunt, the prices were lower than I think in past years because I think typically anniversary cigars are normally, you know, call it 18, 20 plus. And it felt like half the anniversary cigars we reviewed this year, including the Perdomo, um, were all pretty affordable. Like they're all, like even the Patina was, you know, I was saying like, for what it is from a small company, it's pretty affordable. And I think that prices have certainly been higher in the past, way higher. Seems like, I can't remember if it was, It's. It, I could be wrong about this, but it seems like when we had our 10th anniversary for, for the dojo, it seemed like that year there was a lot of other companies that were also having their anniversaries. Right. Year. Um, and that was, so that was the last, was it last year? Jeez, now I'm I'm so screwed yeah, up. Yeah, I feel but like I it was, was 22. Think, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was. Um, so this year, I did, didn't strike me as being crazy or anything. And and I guess I'm like John. I didn't like track it or whatever. Just just going off of just memory. Um, so it didn't seem crazy. But I I thought the ones that were there were really good. Obviously the Perdomo and this Tatawahe that I'm smoking. The yeah, 20th. So that was a good one too. Um, yeah. As far as so I'm like, concerned, Pete could just yeah, keep I like li- releasing limits, and that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I, I thought, I thought, you know, the, the my father came out late last year, the twentieth, uh, and I thought it was my father and Tat were the two big, was the really the two big ones last year. Fortieth and Tias was last year, but it was the year before. That's true. If that yep. makes sense. But I know, like this, the next two years, like Altidus has a ton of anniversary. They have the one fiftieth of Romeo Julieta. Yep. They have the ninetieth of uh, Monte Cristo. And I think they got the 180s of H. Upman all come. I mean, so there's a lot of those coming up um, next year. So I think, I think you know, th- this year may be a little off. And tw- I didn't think 2023 was, was big unless I'm missing something. I mean, if, unless I, feel, 
I feel like we're going to have more Zo- uh, Chinese Zodiac releases in 2024 than limited releases across the market. <laughs> it's like, like I keep seeing yeah. press releases. I'm like, you guys know that the Chinese Zodiac is, is right now. Like it's not in July, it's not in June. And, and it, like, I see these press releases. Yeah. I'm like, we're going to have a Zodiac release almost every month this year. Like what is going yeah. on? And more, and more is coming. I mean, I heard Placencia has got their announcement coming in the next few days. So, uh, there's more probably coming. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope they're good. Yeah. For me, anniversary cigars should be special. And I don't feel like that is what happens with a lot of them that are released. Um, you know, they're just too close to what already exists. And it's not, it doesn't seem like it's a, a celebration to me. It just seems like it's, a, you know, we have this event, we're putting out a cigar for it. We hope you buy it kind of a thing. Um, but it's just, it's just not unique enough to really, yeah. I just see them as, I just see them as like another line release. I, I don't see it as like, you know, this is something that we put together that was pretty special, and you know, we need yeah. to, we really want you to, you know, take 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 your time, smoke this. You know, it's going to be something a bit different. Yeah. So, it's, I just don't see them that way. Every once in a while, you'll get one that does that, but for the most part, it's it's just another another release. I, I will. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, John. I was just going to say I will echo one of the comments in the in the chat about um, you know limiteds being truly limited because I think. Certainly in the past, we've, we've seen many companies go, you know, we're doing a limited edition. And then, ah, oh, you know, we found some more tobacco. So we're, you know, now it's like, listen, man, if it's a limited edition or whatever, just just do it once, what? make it special. It's okay for it to go away. Um, but it always felt kind of like cheapening the, the anniversary limitedness of it to say like, well, it sold really well, so now we're going to make it again. Mm-hmm. Okay, but... You know, don't call it limited to begin with because it just, it, I don't know, yeah. it just it just cheapens it a little bit for me. You know, it's all feelings-based, but it, it cheapens it a little bit for me. You know, the one limited that really missed, and I, I didn't put this on my cigar disappointment, but I think Davidoff just completely swung and missed with the 10th anniversary. Yeah. And not because I didn't like the cigar, which I didn't think it was horrible, but I, that whole, like the ground, the whole story of the Davidoff Nicaragua, right? was the Nicaraguan Puro being done in the Dominican. And they didn't do that for the 10th anniversary score. They didn't do something that got them to the dance, I felt. And would it really have been hard to come up with a Nicaraguan Puro to to do that? Or was it just kind of like we needed to check a box, so let's go get this Ecuadorian rap and make it the Davidoff Nicaragua 10th That That was just a complete miss in my book. And that's where, that's why, you know, you may say I'm a fanboy about this Labor 100 años, but it sticks to the formula of the label you is what i'm saying which is a great cigar so that's yeah, why i, I mean, thought this was great yeah I, I agree i agree coop i think <clears throat> you know i'm not a blender obviously and i don't own a cigar right. brand but if you said like what should a what should a limited edition or or an anniversary be and it's like well it should reflect the the core character of what that cigar is but you know make it more sophisticated or make it something more interesting than what the core release is. And I think companies who did that very, really well, like Pete and, and Pete, my father, yep. mm-hmm. um, those, you know, and, and uh, which I didn't mention in the brands, the Bishop's Blend 10th anniversary for me was, was a good example of that. Yep. You know, you've made a cigar that's a little more sophisticated, uh, still retains the core of what that line is without being a complete departure from kind of what yeah. it is. And, you know, I will say, uh, as a as a bit of a fanboy of the Rocky Patel Edge, I was a little disappointed in the Edge anniversary because to me, 
it, it just tasted like a departure of the cigar that I've been smoking for like 15 years or whatever. And I was like, this doesn't really, it doesn't really taste like an edge and it doesn't really taste like an edge that's somehow yeah. better or different or, you know, whatever. It just tasted like a different cigar. And so, you and, know, I didn't, I didn't personally enjoy it. Yeah, to quote Eric, it was a Joe Six Pack cigar at the edge, right? Mm. You suddenly now didn't make a Joe Six Pack cigar, right? And oh yeah, it just wasn't as good as the Joe Six Pack cigar. And that you know what? That's a that's a fair point. If you're going to make a cigar right. that represents kind of the blue collar, because yeah. the edge was always kind of a blue collar cigar for me. Yeah. You know, it's affordable. It's the re- readily yeah. available. M- make it within that thing. Don't don't make it a Davidoff because yeah. it, it that's not what that cigar is. Make it exactly. you know make it for the for yeah. the edge smokers and yeah. Yeah. I felt like I was in the ed- I was the edge. I mean, I still got edges in my humidor, so I feel like I'm the edge yeah. smoker. And yeah, yeah. You know, the two that I was thinking of when I was talking earlier about anniversary squads moving factories. It was 1502 and Karen Burger. Mm. One of two, like, and they both went to AJ. And AJ's a good factor and everything. But why aren't you celebrating the factories that you're you're in already? Like, that was like similar Karen. with Epic. When Epic did that. Epic did the same. AJ and- as well. It was completely <laughs> Charles Fairmore just gets. Left just, in the dust, right? I don't, I don't, and I look. I'm not saying AJ doesn't. AJ makes a great cigar, right? But I'm just saying, do something else with that factory. Do something different. That just don't make your anniversary cigar with that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any other trends from 2023 that you thought were interesting? Mm. I didn't, well, I think I think it's fair to say the the higher price cigar was mm-hmm. a yeah. was a trend mm-hmm. this year. Um, yeah. And you know it, you can't ignore it. I think if all of us who did lists um, will say that there was higher priced cigars, and we, we probably are all saying we need to spend less money on cigars uh, this year. Um, the average price that I had it for a cigar was fifteen fifty six for cigars reviewed, and for my top thirty, it was nineteen dollars and thirty one cents. So I mean that, that's that's high. No yeah. matter, and I'm look at you know when you look at twelve dollars cigars valued, then there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were only about ten cents off of you in, in, in the higher mark for the average. I think what we were fifteen sixty five or something like that, Aaron. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head, but that'll that'll publish out on Friday. Yeah, when we do our all of our back end stats. But yeah, it was, it was it was it was you know, there's companies that have held back price increases, and I don't think their individual price increases are that much. So I don't think that's what's driving it. I think what we're seeing is when we certainly when we see the numbers posted for us, it'll be evident because. Yeah. You know, if you look at the sort of the the, the bar graph of it, is a significant shift away from the sort of uh, eight to ten dollar, ten to twelve, and really the bulk of what we're seeing now is sort of the fifteen to eighteen dollar mark, um, and that's that's a significant shift. I mean, if you think about the average cigar smoker who is who is spending ten or twelve dollars, to move them up to fifteen, that's a lot, and you know we're certainly all pretty regular cigar smokers so you know three dollars a cigar is not an insignificant sum yeah, yeah. on our list uh, out of our top 20 um if you were to take uh, uh, literally um well almost half nine nine of the 20 were eight, 14 15 or 16 dollars and the, yeah. the the most uh four of them were in the 16 dollar range so four of our you know that's almost 25 percent of our top 20 was in the 16 dollar range and so that that does seem unusual. So I think that you can certainly say that that's uh, a definite trend yeah. of 2023. And, and, and not to throw those brands under the bus, but what's funny about that to me is, you know, we just got finished talking about JRE, who the bulk of what they produce is under $10. Uh, the new Volstead under Intemperance is like 
ten dollars yeah. exactly or nine nine ninety or something. And like it it's almost to the point where you look at that and you're like, is something wrong with that cigar that it's six dollars? But it's no, it's just they you know, they have their own factory, they 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 buy tobacco in bulk and they don't charge fifteen dollars for a cigar. And so like with the GRE thing, I know Aaron and I have talked on multiple occasions where it's like it almost it almost becomes an outlier on the on the bottom end where you say it almost seems too yeah. inexpensive because everyone else is charging six dollars more for the cigar and you don't you don't have to you know what i mean like you're still making money and your your cigar is still fairly priced for the market so uh it is kind of funny you know it was amazing when i was looking at the stats for num for price in 2021 i reviewed 12 cigars over the prices of 20 dollars in 2023, that number went up to 23. So in two years, it was double, almost double. Mm. And then in 2021, cigars from $6 to $8, I reviewed 17. And in 2023, I only reviewed six. So, and I usually, like I said, I, when I review a cigar, you don't really think about price. I look about what I think my readers are interested in. Right. Um. So, but this year now, I'm like, I, I know like uh, the accountant told me, my wife, she's like, <laughs> You you know you spent this much on cigars you know, I uh, you know I was showing you guys today what I spent at Corona, yeah. that, that's just one store guys and it was like uh, and I had receipts for that one by the way, yeah. so um you know it it, it you have to I, that's something I do have to think about this year and how many you, Aaron you and I were talking about there's certain cigars that we'd love to smoke and review, yep is it going to make sense and is it going to get an ROI back on traffic for us is what we have to think right. on that now, that's how we have to look if, at this if we were all smart. And we just wanted traffic based on like the review cigars and what people are going to read. We'd be all we'd just be reviewing catalog. Bundles. We would, we would, yeah. We're, if we're <laughs> like all smart, we, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's where the traffic's at. Factory smokes. I mean, <laughs> yep. <laughs> look at the traffic it gets. I know. I, why, so I, I, you're right. You're hundred percent right. I mean, yeah. I have more to say about that when we get into the price discussion, but uh, yeah, I don't. I, I didn't don't mean to jump the gun on that. Yeah, that's, and okay. I mean, that's okay. Okay. It, it definitely a trend. Yeah. <laughs> definitely a trend for the years, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, definitely. I thought a, a major trend as far as, as what I saw on that. Did you have any trends from last year, Eric, that jumped out at you? Uh, let's see here. Um. Well, that the price one was the one I had. Um, oh, okay, I had on my list, so I guess we kind of already covered that. Okay, no worries. Uh, so this next topic is just kind of called uh, interesting industry items, and uh, kind of price was one I had thrown in there. But um, mm -hmm. uh, first one I'll start out with is uh, cigar construction, and uh, the the way I like to phrase this kind of question is: um, Do you think the average cigar that you reviewed? in 2023 or that you smoked and have to be reviews whatever you smoked that was a 2023 release do you think it was better or more more poorly constructed than what you smoked in 2022 and anybody that's interested in mm -hmm. jumping in on that one can, oh, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna you say it's probably similar i mean okay. to be honest like I, I i didn't see me personally um any any like something that jumped out at me as being different my guess is you know maybe if we like looked back five years or something that could theoretically be different, but I, I didn't notice anything different. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll echo what, um, what Eric said, you know, I think, uh, we certainly noticed a, a stark, uh, jump and, you know, there's a variety of reasons that we won't get into, but I definitely noticed a stark jump 2020, 2021 and 2022 with the number of cigars that I was having to mark either for, burn issues, which I don't necessarily care about. Like if you need to touch up a cigar, that doesn't really matter to me because it's not really affecting my cigar experience. But 
when you have a tight draw or a loose draw, to me, that's something that, you know, I don't have control over. That's something that, you know, truly is a construction issue unless I'm an idiot and storing my cigars poorly. But hopefully by now I know what I'm doing. Um, and, that, you know, I, I'd say that uh, 2023 was was not worse than 2022, uh, but it's still a little concerning uh, as we talk about the, the shift in pricing, you know, and Aaron and I have had this conversation numerous times where I say, you know, we're, we're almost to the point where I say, if you're, if you're producing a cigar at $20 plus and I can mark you for a draw problem, that's a problem because, you know, most, you know, there's a lot of companies out there who have zero tolerance for quality control issues and they simply don't have problems. I mean, we're talking about AJ to me, AJ's, uh, one of the more consistent manufacturers out there. Like rarely will I smoke a cigar made by AJ or a brand that's coming out of AJ that has a, a, a draw or a burn problem. Um, but you know, across the, across the sort of, uh, broader, uh, industry, uh, factory experiences, still marking cigars for draw problems and burn problems. And, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little concerning. I mean, fortunately, like I said, I don't think anecdotally in the hundred cigars we reviewed this year, I noticed, uh, a, an increase. I think it's fairly flat, but it's still, it's still concerning to have to mark cigars for a, for a draw problem. How about you, Coop? What was your experience like? You know, Aaron, you and I talked about this a bit and, um, you know, I think 2023, because I was, I'm, I'm going to go behind on the recycle, but now I'm firmly into 2023 reviews yeah. and I'm kind of in sync with everyone. I, I don't think it got worse. I, if it bottomed out, it bottomed out in 2022. Maybe there's a slight upswing. I mean, the, the, the cigars I had problems with that were really badly constructed were more like what I would call outliers, ex- experimental types of things like, you know, for that, that 10 by 100, right, which was probably the, the w- biggest construction problem I had. <laughs> But that's an outlier. That's you know, I mean, it's that's not fair to ding Agonorsa completely on all that because there are Agonorsa cigars I had that that were, were very well constructed. So you know, th- those are. But I think if, if I have to say, I'm 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 confident that maybe the worst is over with 2022, um, which, which is good news. So I'm not having you know, I'm not having cigars fall apart like like I did in 2020. Yeah. Like I said, that that 10 by 100 was an outlier. Is the way I'm going to look at it. And I'm going to smoke yeah. it again because that was a once smoke thing type of deal. So that's right. not fair. To, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I don't. Th- I, I think I'm in agreement with you guys. I don't. I don't think that there was any kind of big drastic change year to year. Um, I did notice like cigars I was smoking closer to the end of the year seemed to have some issues. Though they were probably you know releases that came out around like August, September, October kind of a time frame. But you know that's not a big enough. Um, test case to really say anything so yeah i don't feel like there was anything crazy where it really improved over the previous year or got worse it was just kind of in the same realm so um no no real big differences there um all right let's uh talk about everybody's favorite subject the fda um, we make one more comment on the pricing oh, piece i know yeah, yeah i have more comments sure. on the pricing piece for sure yeah yeah so a couple of things one is could companies actually send the media the price increases? And and here's why. I'm not looking to publish your percentage of your price increase. It's not going to get me a lot of traffic. But what I do need is accurate pricing information when a cigar is reviewed. And I can't get that without without having that. And, and it's like, I don't understand why this fear of it, you know, of doing it. You know, if you want me to say I'm not, sign an NDA saying I'm not going to put up something that you you increase price, but I'll do that. But if, if we if we could get that, that's my that's my wish list number number one on that. 
Um, number two is, you know, as far as pricing goes, I think there's this, this is not really an issue. It's, I think this Cuba thing has just set off this like chain reaction in, in the industry. Now the- and now it's, then Davidoff's saying like, well, we're as good as Habanos, if not better. So why can't we charge this price of it? Mm-hmm. And now Oliva is saying, well, why can't we put out a $300 cigar? Rocky Patel needs to put out a $100 cigar. And here's the thing that's kind of interesting about these higher price cigars. There's a market for it. Yep. There's a there's a market for these cigars, which I think is a different market than we all deal with. You know, I think it's that Rob Report luxury market. Um, and until that market dries up, I think these cigars will continue to sell. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I was going, Coop, is um, number one, I, I don't think that market's going to dry up ever. I think the luxury goods market is is been largely untouched by the cigar industry. And, and, you know, some of that could be just be brands undervaluing themselves or maybe not recognizing what the potential luxury market is at the high end. Um, and I will say that, you know, look, if uh, Oliva decides to put out a $300 cigar or Rocky decides to put out a $100 cigar, I don't, I don't actually see that as a bad thing because it doesn't really harm anyone. You know what I mean? Like if somebody puts out a cigar that I personally can't afford or don't want to spend the money on, Nothing is lost. I still have plenty of cigars that are priced in my value category that I will buy. And so, you know, my question really is, because Oliva was the first thing to broach the $300 mark, uh, it'll be really interesting, I think, this year to see, you know, what is that upper boundary for 2024? Is that upper boundary $500? Is it $1,000? Do we see the first $1,000 cigar? I think think we do. Uh, From what I said, Placencia's got a $100 cigar coming out. I, I don't. So I mean, they're kind of getting in there, but you know, don't forget, don't forget, they raise the price of the Oro Blanco when they make it. They don't make it all the time. It's now six hundred dollars for that cigar. That was the five hundred dollar one, right? So, um, you know, some of these Fuente cigars that you see go to like Ellie Blue and all that. Look at some of the prices of that. Um, what was interesting is I thought La Union had decent pricing, like for mm-hmm. what they're delivering sixty dollars. Yeah. I'm like, all right. You know, I think we're going to get pretty good cigar. I think we're going to get some pretty good cigars for sixty dollars there. But I'm not saying, but that's like a bargain compared to what I've seen with some of these other ones. Yeah. All right, FDA. So Meta throws out the lawsuit, right? And the cigar industry is rejoicing. Great, great time for the cigar industry. Yeah, they always have to party. Yep. <laughs> So what what do you, what, what do you see a you know is it this I mean this is definitely a good a good thing for the cigar industry right I think it was this was like one of the one of the the better wins probably something that maybe not a lot of people were expecting to actually occur Do you agree on that Yeah we we well we knew about the win in 2022 we just didn't know that he wasn't going to throw out the rules or not and he surprised right. everyone that did Yeah we don't know much about this appeal yet Yeah right we don't know what the grounds of the appeal on. We don't know if the, the FDA is going to try to overturn, get a stay and try to uh, an injunction and try to overturn that temporarily. We don't know that yet. Um, so this is going to be a learning mode for a lot of us in dealing with appeals justice, uh, which is a whole different animal than, than court justice. Uh, so I'm sure Charlie's working overtime on that, which is good. I mean, obviously it's good that someone that someone's uh, looking at that. Um, I think we came out of this. The industry was more divided. I think that's a fair comment. 
Sure. Right? Everyone was claiming victory coming out coming out of this thing, right? They were all claiming different victories here. Uh, CRA, PCA, and CAA all puts out separately. Not even a joint press release. So, you know, and I think that's what I, I think the FDA is seeing that. And that's why uh, I'm a little nervous right now, you know. The FDA knows how to. They see the industry divide. And they're going to go after. They're going to go after other things in in this year. We we can get into that, and you know, and I think unfortunately our industry is ignoring some of these other things and other things they are focused on. So, I mean, I did go on record uh, as saying I did think that he was going to vacate the ruling, um, and that was only because he was quite clear in his original comments, Judge Judge Meta, that if the FDA did not come back with new evidence. Uh, he, he warned them very clearly. He said, if you do not come back with new evidence, I am going to vacate your ruling. And, you know, I looked at that and I said, well, the FDA hasn't been able to come up with anything to this point. So I don't see them at the 11th hour coming back with some really engaging argument that's going to make their case. Uh, what I think did surprise me and I was wrong on was I didn't think the FDA was going to file an appeal. And you were right on that coop. You said, well, of course they're going to file an appeal. They, they almost have to. And that did catch me off guard. But, you know, I see the whole thing is, I mean, it's a victory of sorts, but I don't see it as a victory because, you know, I come from the Canadian side of just everything is just a stalling action. Mm. You know, you're just kind of trying to hold them back. Your, your, your finger is in the dam and you're just trying to hold them back for as long as possible and fight them on every single legislative front that they're trying to put forward to just make it last as long as possible because, you know, I just don't see any kind of true victory. It's not like you're going to dissolve the FDA. Uh, it's not like they're going to stop coming for tobacco. It's not like they're going to stop coming for cigars. Uh, you know, and I think the next topic kind of leads into that a little bit and we'll, we'll get into that. I'm sure in a minute. I think you can still, um, I disagree with you a little bit, John. I, I think you can still call it a victory because it is a victory, right? So like, but and I'm not disagreeing with you because Government is just like a giant amoeba that just keeps <laughs> slowly moving and taking yeah. away your freedoms constantly. It's a so gelatinous you're, you're, cube. Yeah, exactly. You're you're 100 right about that. But at the same time, that's obviously a victory because that at least quelled it for there. I don't think that they're going to have very good luck with the appeal just based on the way that they vacated the ruling. I think it'd be very very hard for them to win that appeal. But it doesn't matter because they'll then they'll start with some other thing that we'll have right. to fight. It'll just, it's a constant battle, like you said, but I'm, I, you, you got to take your victories when you, you get them. Like you're crazy if you don't, because yeah, if you don't, you just live a de depressed life, you know? <laughs> and so it's just like, it's yeah. just like gun control or any other thing. You got to kind of take your victories when you get them, be happy with it and just be ready for the next onslaught. You know, I go back again with the division of the, um, associations and we had bear and i were interviewing mike copperman who's the new cra director and i'm not going to get into the legal precedence here but there's something that the cra is very high on called the chevron doctrine mm. right and basically the ruling of the chevron doctrine has to do with basically it, part of it determines if a statute's clear or ambiguous right and CRA is under the impression that they were promoting this like on the show and then they put out uh -huh. a press release saying how this is this is a you know this is key for the cigar industry and PCA has been more quiet on this which is kind of why would they be very quiet on this I I almost kind of feel they're not on the same page with stuff like this right 
And that's what's kind of, like I said, that's why this appeal has got me more nervous than you'd think. Um, you know, as, as far as this, I would, I'm just not overly confident right now, especially if this Chevron document just changes everything right now in terms of what Meta did. So I think it's something we have to just keep an eye on. Sure. And Jay, if you're in the, correct me on any of that, what I said. All right. So kind of sticking in the same vein uh, is flavor bands. And, uh, we, you know, we've seen those kind of continue, like Eric was alluding to, the kind of that amoeba that's kind of uh, spreading itself out and, you know, absorbing what it can. Um, that seems to be continuing. And, uh, you know, California fell victim, you know, and uh, I think as more states do, um, it's going to make it uh, a bit tougher on uh, some of these cigar companies that kind of play in that space and where it's a moneymaker for them and actually, you know, kind of fund some of the, the non-traditional, uh, that non-traditional kind of fund some of the yep. traditional style sure, sure. lens. How do you yeah, see that I, kind of shaken out, you know, in this past year? Yeah. And I think that, I mean, the, it was a little concerning because the white house issued a statement. I can't remember when, but, uh, it was a very strong statement in support of flavor bans and, and removing flavored tobacco. Uh, and that's always kind of a little alarming when you see a statement from the white house, the FDA has obviously been very clear, on their stance uh, that, you know, they're openly coming after uh, flavored tobacco of all kinds. I would say, you know, the only thing that kind of maybe works in, in the favor of the, you know, the cigar industry, which is a really small industry in the total scheme of tobacco is that I think their inclusion of menthol, which is an enormous moneymaker for big tobacco uh, helps us in, in a sort of sideways because now you get big tobacco involved and big tobacco has, very, very deep purses when it comes to uh, lawyer fees and retainers, uh, and they can bring a lot more resources to bear. So it's kind of one of those things of their inclusion of menthol in the overreaching tobacco kind of means that there's going to be a lot more resources brought to bear in, in fighting that legislation. Um, because I think if the cigar industry is being targeted on its own, uh, as California showed, it, it doesn't take very much to sort of knock off uh, flavored cigars or infused cigars in the market and, and just take them out with a, really a stroke of a pen and you can't do anything about it. The, the one thing that I think, yeah, and I don't know where the, what the White House is going to do on this, right? But I know what's driving a lot of this um, is this initiative called uh, Cancer Moonshot which they're mm. basically trying to say they're going to reduce the death rate of cancer by 50% over the next 25 years. And you have the FDA going into Biden administration's ear saying, hey, here's your low-hanging fruit. Go right after tobacco, and you'll, you'll be able to get those goals. Uh, and unfortunately, we're a small part of this, right? We're a small part of the tobacco industry. And I'm not going to debate the cancer things about cigars. I'm just going to say the perception's there that cigars are bad, right? So. And, it's, and what's the easy, the low-hanging fruit of who's getting access to the flavored stuff, right? That's kind of what's scaring, scaring me a lot on what, what Biden, the Biden administration is going to do on this right now. The big question is, do they do it this year in an election year or not? That, that I think, is what this is going to come down to. Um, and we'll know, I guess, in a month. And in fact, in fact I think this decision is supposed to come right around the trade show. Yeah. So, which is kind of interesting when that happens. And yeah, I think I want to say it's due April first. So, I'd be surprised if we didn't see some sort of announcement or some sort of yeah. update yeah. before April first. Yeah, yeah. But you got my FDA's whispering in their ear. Don't 
30% of uh, cancer deaths are coming from smoking. You know, they have no science behind it, but that's what they're going to do. So I am, I am kind of very, very worried about this one right now. Uh, but it's going to go to court. The next thing is it will definitely go to the courts. So, you know, I think whether they injunct it or not will be something we'll see. But I think the courts are going to be our course of action here with this. But yeah, to your point, Coop, I think, you know, the we'll be talking a lot more, I think, about flavor bans and, and flavor ban legislation than we will about the FDA appeal process because I think that's really where the FDA has kind of pivoted. As the amoeba looks for, you know, new cracks in the in the industry, they've obviously made it clear that they're shifting their focus and their energy into flavor. So uh, I think, you know, that's going to be kind of the focus of the next 12 to 18 months. Yep, yep. And I said I keep saying it, and everyone's not media and advertising they're going to go after. Yeah. And if you think they're not going after media and advertising, I'm telling you, it's and all these co- cigar companies, forget us, like we'll be shut down. Like If they put age verification in, like uh, I was talking about like what they did in North Carolina with adult websites, right. putting age verification. The age verification is not just checking a box. It is like submitting information. Like, do you imagine if they had to go to developing pallets and you had to prove that you're over the age 20? People are going to stop going there. And all, what about all these cigar industry TikTok videos and Facebook reels that they love to do? They'll be gone. Like, if you think that if, if, if the industry needs to pay much more attention to it than they are right now, and they're not getting ahead of this one, they're getting behind on this one, and I think it's going to hurt us. All right, let's move along uh, out of the government stuff. NFTs. So we saw the Tatuai Anarchy mm. NFT with um, Smoke In go go live this year. Did uh, I, I'm lost on the timeline. Did we have any others earlier in the year? Or this was the kind of the lone one for, for the I year? I Castagli did one, but I don't know what happened with that one. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't know what happened with the because that's the only other one I could think of from last year. Right. What were you guys' thoughts on how the how the anarchy went off this year in regards to the the auctions and and kind of the the buzz around it? It was huge, right? Yeah, it, it was seemed big success, man. Yeah, it, it seemed a uh, huge success. I didn't uh, I didn't expect it to go. I mean, I expected it to go great, like, but I didn't expect it to go as good as it went. Like it, you know, some of those hitting. Like a hundred thousand, I think, right? Like, yeah, they um, have the highest one that, that was a, any that of was them a, have seen yeah. so far, right? So, yeah, so good for them. They did it right. Uh, it was obviously um, hit all the the points that those kind of guys that are into that are are into. So, and I, I know that Abe said that they, you know, they did get some good advice from the LFD guys that kind of helped them uh, sort through some of that. And so, and they they nailed it out of the ballpark, man. Um, so oh, that was great. Yeah, Atabe Atabe has one too, right? Like, um, yeah, the black. That was black like, the, was that like the first one? Is it? I don't that know. That was a that was the first one. That was a true yeah. NFT offering. Yeah, that was so, a pure, that was a was pure no NFT. Yeah, it, it kind of falls into the same category that John said earlier about uh, really expensive cigars. You don't have to be involved in this, and it doesn't yeah. affect you in any in any kind of way. If you're not into it. You don't need to be against NFTs. You just you're not gonna you're not gonna buy that. So fine, that's fine. Yeah. But there are people that are into that, and I think it's pretty cool. I think the cool thing about the NFTs nowadays is it's it's got a function, and that function sort of um, allowing like a retailer to have the rights to sell that cigar. That's a cool thing. Like I I dig it. I I am I gonna bid a hundred thousand? Of course not. <laughs> but so what? Like it's still a pretty cool thing. I, I I'm for it. I think I think it goes to show as well. Um, you know, because I'm sure some people were like, you know certainly going in, it you know, becomes a bit of a, a measuring contest where like, you know, how, if it sells, how much does it sell for? 
And I think it really shows the strength of Tatuai as a brand that, you know, there was a lot of activity around it and the prices exceeded what I think a lot of people were, were expecting. I think the real question is, you know, what is the future of NFTs? You know, what other brands out there have the capability of doing an NFT at that level? Uh, because from my perspective, I haven't really seen a lot of buzz around another brand, you know, even a medium-sized company doing NFTs. It's, it's kind of dried up, I think, a little bit. Coop? Yeah, um, you go to the Abe credit. Abe saw the opportunity with this, but he also, the one thing I think he was a little ahead of LFD with, and LFD is starting to play catch up with this now, is because LFD is, uh, understands this as well. It's that market mm -hmm. I talked about. They're, they're trying to target a market of these, of the, again, not the people who are smoking the everyday cigars. And I think they're doing a very good job with that. And LFD, I think I'm seeing that more and more. They're doing better with that. And I think that's going to be the way you have to, to do this right now is to target, do true luxury cigar items and, and, and go with that route. I don't know if we're going to see another NFT auction. You know, Aaron, we interviewed Christian Aroa, and you remember he kind of said the Sensorium was supposed to be an NFT cigar. Right. Yeah. And he kind of, when he saw that, that LFD did it. He just didn't want to be the, that's what he said to us. At least yeah. they didn't want to be the imitator of that. Um, so it kind of like, I don't know what the future of that project, he released the cigar obviously, but um, it's kind of, in, but I think that's, I think, like I said, I was kind of just questioning who's going to buy these cigars. And then when I started what Abe did, I said, well, you know what? It's that Rob report market. They're going to go after. And they're doing a lot of things to kind of create that interest. Again, it's not the people who, uh, the Joe six pack, people are not going to go after these cigars. It's just, there's other, there's plenty of other stuff for them, but this is going to be a targeted thing. And, and I think it's not bad for the industry by any means. Um, supply. And no, demand. it gets, yeah. it gets people excited about gets, a, yeah. you know, a release and things like that. Yeah. yeah. I really like what LFD has been. LFD really dressed up. They improved the packaging a lot on that. And, uh, well, I'm going to talk to John about John's coming on with Bear and I tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk to John about this. And I, I'm, he's talked, you know, I think I'm really curious to see where, the, where they're going to head with this. But I think that's the direction for projects like that. And you're just going to have to have an item that you can put into the market like that. Yeah. And my kind of perception is that it's, it's tough to kind of get a feel for, you know, how these would work out for people once they buy them, because Obviously, if you're a retailer bidding, your goal is going to be to sell the cigars, you know, from whatever allotment that you're you're getting and and be able to do that. So, um, you know, you're kind of go, you're buying in with a bit of an unknown on the back end of you know, you know how they'll sell and things of that nature. So, I think I think there's kind of been some struggles, like when the LFD one came and and you know how how they were trying to people were putting packages together on how you could buy them and all that stuff. Yeah. Like you just, you just don't really know how successful the, you know, the retailers were in regards to that to really see. So that's why I was curious when the tattoo win went, you know, how much, how many people were going to be retailers that bought in versus, you know, private collectors that bought in because, you know, seeing how the LFD one went, you know, do people were maybe a little gun shy about how they were going to be able to sell the cigars. But um, it seems like, with the Tatuaje one, the retailers kind of got together a bit to kind of like try to figure out a plan together. Um, I'm not sure how that's going along. So, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, people are not trans super transparent in how their sales sales go, especially retailers. So um, I, I just feel like there's going to, there, if these continue, there's going to be a, be a point where 
it's the last one, right? I, I, I just don't see it as being an, an upward trend, like NFTs are going to ramp up. I feel like we're not seeing enough sizzle. And at some point, like somebody's going to buy in and then it's going to be like, they're like, they're stuck with something and they can't really offload. So um, I, I don't know if we're at that point and maybe it's probably better to like have a successful one. And then people just say like, let's just, you know, say we did it, we did it well. And, you know, maybe we'll try it again in, in another point, but um, yeah, that, that's just kind of how I, how, how I see it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that this is going to be a ongoing trend in the industry or not. So I agree. All right. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of brands and factories that they have are planning or yeah, I guess planning in, in Nicaragua. And the first one is Fuente. We've been told that they're going to be invading Nicaragua, right? So, and this is kind of a interesting thing because Felix Mesa left and he was supposed to be the guy that was getting that all going. Um, Coop, do you know anything more about kind of where that that's at in the process? Last year, I saw the bulldozers starting to break the ground on that. Uh-huh. And that was down at Poro Sabor. I don't know how much further they're on on that. It's not a conversation I've had with Carlito. So um, it's probably something I could ask him and he'll tell me straight on it, I'm sure. Right. Um, so I don't think, you know, my guess is to get the factory to Carlito's uh, toy factory, right, level. Right. Even if they broke ground, you're talking three years because there's so much work that's going to have to go in there. So I, I was convinced we wouldn't see anything till 2026 with that one. Um, just because I said, it's not just putting up the building and ha- it's, it's, there's, if you go see the factory in the Dominican, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It is a, it is a theme. It is the Willy Wonka factory in, in, in the Dominican. So I, I imagine Nicaragua is going to be the same thing with that. Um, but you know, there's companies buying farms down in, in Nicaragua now too. Fuentes bought some farms. Uh, we know, uh, we know they got some farms. I'm sure there's other, Davidoff, they bought some farms too. So it's kind of interesting with that. So yeah, I don't have much more of an update on that, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, Eric, I don't have a, I don't have a good handle on you. Are are you much of a Fuente smoker? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I love, I love Fuentes. Um, I got to say what I think the thing that's going to be the most curious to me is, you know, Esteli is not a big town. There's a limited amount of people there and, and yeah, they've got, you know, you, you can start a small factory there pretty easily, like we saw Rainier do, and, and I'm sure you could get like you know eight pairs of rollers and, and, and stuff. But like, how is this going to affect that? How is this going to affect the workforce when there's two huge, brand new, like major top end, you know, factories as in Fuente and and Rocky? Like, how will that affect? The labor force down there it'll be yeah. curious to see because you know we're not talking about managua with a million plus people we're talking yeah. about esteli with i don't know um i'm not even sure how many people live in esteli um but that'll be interesting to see if that affects some of the smaller brands like um you know even some of the medium factories down there will they lose some of their better people you know we'll see um it'll be interesting Rocky needed a new facility. I've been to Tabacusa. It's it's way too small for what he's looking to do. Hmm. So he needed a he needed a new factory. There's no question about. It. My question is, is he going to move stuff out of Honduras down to this factory? That that's because I was I had some people on the ground telling me like feeding me information on this uh, during the week. Is you know it's impossible to get hold of Rocky in the states, let alone Nicaragua. So there's there's questions I'm going to try to ask Rocky on that. Um, but I think all the points you bring up are valid. The, the difference is, I think 
Rocky needs the factory probably more than Fuente does in this case. I think it's an. I think he's outgrown Tavakusa. I was at Tavakusa in 2015, and he was outgrown. So this is a long time coming, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about Carlito, because <clears throat> I think I've told you this story, Coop, is that I happened to be one of my semi-annual or annual trips down to Nicaragua, and I think it was 2016, and we were at the um, the Camino Real in Managua, and uh, I looked over my shoulder and I, and I saw Carlito. I, I mean, I, I it was Carlito, but I saw Carlito walk by, and you know, I was like, "Is that Carlito?" And I was with uh, Trip at the time. And Trip's like, I'm pretty sure that was Carlito, but he didn't want to be screaming at some random person in the, hey, in the hotel. Carlito. Hey, Carlito. You know, some <laughs> gringo yelling at you could be probably a little alarming. Uh, but I think when you look back at the timeline, I believe, if I understood the timeline correctly, that was sort of the starting point of him looking at properties and sort of starting that that process. So if you think back, like, you know, that's that's eight years now. Uh, it's a it's a very long process, especially for a facility of that size, to look at potential property, close a close an actual real estate deal, uh, get all the the construction and and equipment and everything that's required. It's not as easy as just you know buying a factory and and starting up operations in a year. It's a very long process, and it it is the, the timing for Carlito makes sense because he's been working at it for a while, but. The Tavakusa thing is interesting because, you know, last year the big commentary from the industry was, uh, listen, everyone's having labor shortages. Everyone's really struggling to retain. We heard a number of factories say, um, you know, they had literally an entire generational uh, changeover where yeah. the average age of, of the rollers was kind of in the in the late 30s, early 40s, and a bunch of people left and a bunch of people retired and, you know, a number of factories are saying, look, you know, our average age went from, you know, 44 to 22. And that's a that's a huge shift. So to Eric's point, you kind of wonder, like, do they have enough people to staff for 300 pair or 500 pair or whatever might be required to operate a factory of that size? And and what is the impact to labor forces in Esteli when that when that opens? And that'll be uh, that'll probably be an interesting story to watch over the next you know, a couple of years as, as they, uh, as they break ground and, and really sort of start the lion's share of that construction. I was a little surprised that Rocky actually is putting the factory in Esteli. Mm. Cause I, I go back to what AJ did. He put the factory up in Ocotel, which is right. about an hour north and Eric and I have been there. It's way out there. And part of the reason why they put it in Ocotel was to address the labor problems and yeah. people kind of like being disloyal and they're trying to tap into the, the labor force further north. So I was still a little surprised that and maybe it's logistically it made sense for Rocky to have it down there. Um, but I was still a little surprised um, because there's probably a lot of places they could have put that factory. Plus, I think it, one of AJ's you know things that he wanted to do was I want to have people trained you know my way. So like yep. I have this sort of like yeah. uh, this, area, this yeah. area that's kind of my own. And yep. yeah. um, they don't bolt really to someone else and, and take yeah. those skills. Yeah, really worked out well. Yeah. I think my biggest thing about the about Fuente in Nicaragua is just that, like, you know, what what cigars are going to come out of there? What the, what are those cigars going to be like hmm. for such a Dominican brand, right? Right. And, and then you have a, a Nicaraguan factory, and I'm assuming it's going to be predominantly Nicaraguan tobacco because um, I don't know if there's you know they're going to be shipping a bunch of Dominican tobacco over there and how much they have to be able to do that. But I just don't know. I'd be curious to see what that's like because I think it would just be such such a different thing for the brand. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think 
you know, they have the farms in Nicaragua already, and I think they're already sending tobacco to the Dominican because they do put yeah. Nicaraguan in the blends. But sure. but I think I think it opens up new opportunity for for Fuente to do some different things. I just wouldn't expect it all overnight to be. And I don't know how much I don't know how they're going to ramp up the production in that factory. I imagine it'll be small to start. But I think it open. I think it does open Fuente up for a new generation of Fuente type cigars, uh, which is I think going to be. I'm so I'm excited about that. Yeah, that is a that is a good, great point. Yeah. Um, all right, let's um, move over to um, the consensus, and uh, this <laughs> is the the list that kind of consolidates all the lists that come out uh, at the end of the year and kind of tallies their weights and kind of says what all all of them if they were combined kind of how the how everything stacked up uh i'm curious as to your guys' thoughts and the res- results of the list this year and just kind of your thoughts on this the state of this list and what it does and what it doesn't do so anybody that wants to jump in feel free i gotta be honest with you i don't really pay attention to this list um so I don't have a whole lot to say on it. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of people get into it, and that's great. I, I love that. So, uh, but I, I really, I didn't even look at it. I, I know Steve got like one and two because he posted it on Facebook. But other than that, I have zero idea anything about it. All right. So the two guys that have the most to say are the quietest ones here. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, before Coop goes, I'll just say um, I appreciate that it's a largely thankless job that that uh that charlie does uh he does it all on his own uh to be frank he doesn't really get a lot of help um you know you would think that a lot of uh youtubers and maybe smaller media brands would be excited about uh helping him out with the process but they you know from what i can tell they really don't um you know he spends a lot of time scraping lists uh trying to dig through websites to find the information uh and it's a thankless task i think for me personally, as a as a viewer, as a consumer of the content, um, I've kind of uh, paid less attention to it over the years because I feel like the intent of different media can't be combined into like from a and I'm a data analyst. I mean, that's what I do. That's my job. So you know, I'm a I'm a data guy. That's where I come from. And and the big problem I've always had is that you're taking. Uh, different media brands that have different intent of what they're trying to do, whether it's uh, an influencer or whether it's someone who does YouTube content or whether it's a more traditional uh, website-based review sites like really all of us. Um, You know, and I think that content can't necessarily be amalgamated in a way that is cohesive. And so I think for me, what ends up happening is you have these massive outliers of either brands or cigars that aren't necessarily relevant to me, um, but maybe they're relevant to the people that are consuming the list. And so my issue has always been, or at least for the last few years has been, you know, I'm looking to see what my peers who are kind of the people on this list, uh, the people on this show right now, and certainly some of the other uh, website brands to say, what are they smoking? What did I miss this year that we should have reviewed? And you know, what brand has kind of popped this year that maybe hasn't popped in the year before. And I don't really get that anymore because I feel like the way in which the the different brands are represented, uh, it kind of, it ends up being muddled for me. But that, again, that's just me as a, as a media consumer. Um, Other people might get different things from the list. So. Coop, you know, so we've had this love hate relationship with the consensus, (laughs) you know, 
and, and I was kind of one of the Joe Grow guys, and Aaron and I used to do a lot of consensus talk on primetime. We've stopped. We've pretty much stopped it. I'm in kind of the mode right now. But let me just kind of before I even say that, I agree with you. Charlie's got a Charlie does a lot of hard work on this. I consider him a friend of the show. Um, but I think he's proved his point with the consensus already. That he's he's basically trying to show relationships with manufacturers. And you know, there's been things in the last few years that have just made me say, is this is this any value anymore? to the industry. All right. So a few examples. Number one was remember year of the rat, like made top five in the consensus. Uh, it was a cigar that most people could not get because it was an event cigar, but it landed because it was sent out to the media, like, right. like with humidors and stuff like that. Right. So obviously there's ways you can win the consensus. You guys the are year humidors? after. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the year after is probably the most egregious sin that I saw was the unreleased cigar. Paladin and Desaka. You know, again, there's a cigar that wasn't the only reason why it was reviewed is because pre-releases were sent out to the media. And the media just doesn't have guidelines. Most of the media doesn't have guidelines that like all the people on this call have. Right. So this cigar w- was out there. And then this year, when I saw one list included. That the guy forgot to put one of the cigars on the list, his top 25. Like, why are we including this data? What's what is the value anymore of this? And I think I think Charlie's shown at this point the relationship. I think he's proven that already. And I just don't think the consensus is delivering value anymore at this point. Um anymore. And let's I you know, and I've been look, I've been approached by a couple of people. I must say a ton of people have approached me. Like, why don't I do the consensus? One is it's Charlie's thing. I want to respect him on that. And two is if I did it, I'd be excluding probably three quarters of the list and I would be accused of being, you know, biased like against my competition. So I would never take that on. But I just I don't know. You know, I looked at some of these cigars even this year and I just scratched my head. And are these cigars that are even moving at stores? Um, I, I just I don't know. I just I just really didn't see, you know, I didn't see like, any value of these things like. You know, Lavaredo was a number seven cigar, yeah. which surprised me. Everybody on the panel pretty much said. I don't, but I don't know. But is that cigar like become a wildly big hit for Crown Heads? Um, being a top ten on all these, you know, El Popo is another one. I, I, that one completely came out of left field with a lot of us. We saw it might happen based on the Joe Grow da- data because Joe Grow was like tracking this stuff. So I think we we weren't surprised, but we would have been totally surprised had had it come out there. I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not seeing it anymore. I think, but again, it's Charlie's project. He could, it's his list. He could do what he wants with it. I, I think the opportunity is there to do something more with it. And, you know, but it's his call on that. You know, I don't want I want to respect him on that too. Yeah. To your point, Coop, I think, you know, both industry people and, and media people for the most part understand that uh, if you want your cigar to show up on the list, send samples out to six or eight media brands. Uh, it obviously helps if your cigar is good, but for the most part, if you send out samples, there's a very good chance that your cigar is going to show up on the list. And I think that relationship has been understood for a long time, uh, which is why, you know, a lot of media brands have kind of moved away from reviewing samples and, and in a way of sort of distancing from that, that, uh, thing. So maybe you could say in a, in a, in a, in a way it's influenced us to say, 
maybe we need to distance ourselves from that and say we're not reviewing samples anymore because, you know, there's a bit of a bias there where if we're being sent cigars, we review cigars, maybe that influences their ability to show up on the on our top 25, which influences them showing up with a consensus. And, you know, there's a factor there for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that that relationship has been proven beyond a doubt for sure. Um, I don't know where the consensus is going to go next year. I mean, I can't believe that Charlie puts in the amount of work that he does. I mean, kudos yeah, to him for sure, but I, I would not do it. It's too much work. You know, there was a cigar that showed up on, there were a couple of cigars that showed up on the top 10 that surprised me. Operator was one of them because no samples were sent out of that as far as That's I know. That's true. Yeah. Long of the Queen. There's not a worse company that deals with the media than Caldwell. They're one of the worst <laughs> companies to deal with the media, right? No samples was that. You can't even get information on this cigar. I, I couldn't get information at a trade show on this cigar because it was supposedly an exclusive to CA. But it did land number five on the consensus. So I, 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 you know, I know the samples play a role in this, but there are cigars that there's no samples sent out that, that land on the list with no relationship. Uh, I mean, right. some of the others, the Huber has always had his fans in the media. So I can see that one. But Caldwell, no. Caldwell's just not been good with the media at all. But kudos to Caldwell for getting on there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it was kind of like I said, but there was nothing in it I said. And Charlie, one thing that Charlie says is he says he does not feel these are the best 25 cigars. And he's very, right. very uh, open on that. So and I respect that on it as well. Um, so, uh, The, yeah, the I mean, other, um, yeah, go ahead, Myron. When I when I look at it, you know, I you see the list, and you're like, okay, and then you you can see what the sites are that, uh, you know, the data is being pulled from, and then he shares the sheet that kind of shows the tallying, so yeah, you can see all the cigars and where they ranked where on the different sites. That's what I find the most interesting because this these mix of sites have such varied like criteria of what qualifies right so some sites are you know calendar year some sites are just whatever cigar they smoked could be you know 15 year old cigars whatever it is um and then you look at it and you're like if i just change this one number here or i give this cigar an extra five points here like how much it changes in the list like the 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 spread is so far on the number of cigars that are on the list it doesn't take many placements on a list to get you on onto the consensus so you know, we've kind of talked about it jokingly behind the scenes. Like you could start up fake five, five fake websites and put a cigar number one and it's going to be number one on the consensus. Like yeah. it, it could be, it's, it, this is an easily manipulated list if you want to do it. Um, it there's just, is it's, it's with the number of sites, it looks big, but it's a very small amount of data that's easily yeah. swayed by a, a number change here or there. Um, so, you know, I, like you said, like you said, I don't know that it gives any good data. Um, it's great for social media. Absolutely great for the brands that place up there. They can share that as though it means something. Um, I, I don't think it really means anything. Um, so, um, you know. Yeah. You know, Aaron, to your usually when you crowdsource anything, it just doesn't give you very good data. No, to your point, Aaron, like Mirafo Richards, a great example. It landed 25. There were three lists that had that cigar. Um and I, I don't remember who the third one was, but it was Charlie had it number one. I had it at number three, which I believe is automatically 48 points. And I think someone else had it in the top 10. Yeah. I don't know if it was Rob Report or one of them. And yeah. that was all it needed to land a spot on the consensus. 
Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't you know, take a lot. It doesn't take a lot. You know, there's it's three. It's so should a cigar out. be getting on with? At a, you have 34 sites. Should a cigar with just three sites be driving? That's there's a lot of like I said, it's it's Charlie's thing, but I just don't put a lot into what comes out on like what's spit out every the last few years has just been. Uh, now I'll say this, Papa Saka. A lot of people really like that cigar. Yeah. You know, Eric, you're a huge fan of that cigar. You guys had it high on the list. I mean, it was a number one cigar. Yeah, I mean, you, Aaron, you guys had it. What was it top five, right? Yeah, top five. So I mean, a lot of people. So this is not a Steve did. I thought Papa Saka was getting rave reviews before Steve sent out that sample. By the way, I saw the reviews coming out of yeah. that. So I don't want to say Steve. We love Krakatoa at, at the show. We, when we yeah, even Saturday at the show, we were going crazy over it. Yeah. yeah, Krakatoa, I think, was absolutely driven from the sample sent out. Well, that yeah, one, because I'll say the, c- the cigar only released uh, what a month like before the cutoff or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Arnold on- Quester, I just did a review. It's like an eighty-nine scored cigar, but they sent boxes out of that cigar in November, so it landed on a lot of lists. COM is MVP of four. That's a cigar they always send out to the media. So, all right, let's move along. So, I kind of asked the question in regards to cigar construction, uh, you know, this year compared to the previous years, but let's just talk about overall enjoyment of cigars. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, oh. hold on. Because <clears throat> you, on on here, you're talking just, you also were, we're going to talk just about lists in general. And Did I have uh, something about the list in general? Go to the list results. Oh, that was list, just yeah. Thoughts on list results. I just had. I just have. Okay. One yeah. If you, yeah. Absolutely. Open, I have one comment form. on that, uh, and I can't give you guys the details, but Ooh. this Breaking Friday news. night, this Friday night on Smoke Night Live, we're gonna do something that's never been done before. Just preparing you. I can't give you the details. Quite Are you yet, gonna smoke but, all twenty five uh, cigars on the show? Maybe. Maybe That'd be we'll cool. See. <laughs> <laughs> we we are time. we are going to uh we're gonna tackle the year end list uh debate a little bit and nice uh, it's gonna be fun. We'll have details in the next day or two. It's gonna be a ton of work, but uh it's not the consensus, not not like that. But uh I can tell you, Coop, you you you'll be involved for sure. Um, I think so I may know where you're going with this because be there was a little last week. Yeah, I, I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> um, I don't know. You haven't told me any details, but no. But just make sure you have receipts for everything, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's all, Aaron. I just want to tell Teaser. Yeah, teaser. So overall cigar enjoyment 2023 versus 2022. Uh, do you think that the cigars that were released in 2023 were better, even, or worse than what you smoked in 2022? I have a, anybody I have a can jump in. plethora of things to say here, so I don't I don't right, necessarily go want it. to go first and and take up all the airtime. But I, so okay, I will say <laughs> I'll say John, I'll start. I'll say I think twenty twenty three was better. Like our, I feel like our top six cigars. I know that there's at least four of them could have been number ones in any other year. Like that, it was a it was a good year at the top. Um. So I I think it was a great year personally. Never a better year. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can never say a better that. year for cigars. <laughs> no, I don't know if I can say that. that. I'm just okay. saying compared to 2022, which is what Aaron asked. I think yeah. I think I'd probably pick uh, 2023. Um, I'm still like I said going through 2023 with a lot. A lot of my list had 2022 on it. Um, which oh by the way, halfway had a lot of 2020. They kind of use a similar model, so. I what I'm seeing right now, it has it's probably the same. 
Uh, I, I, last year, I think my average score was 88.59. I don't see that number moving up or down a lot. Um, but I think it will come in around the same. And I'm already, the end of January is already one quarter of the year reviewed because I start November 1st. So um, what I've seen out of that first quarter, it's about the same. All right, John, your time is now. All right. I don't want to uh, take Thunder away from the um, the year in review by numbers because I really like that post. And I really like uh, when we reveal the data. Uh, so I won't get too far into that, but I will say, you know, data-wise, there's no question that for developing pallets, as we scored, the average score is higher for 2023. And I would say that mm. uh, to Eric's point, the, the <clears throat> top top end of that list that we did this year are definitely good cigars, good to very good cigars. There's no question that they're, they're, they stand out and they would compete very well against previous year's releases. But uh, I have to also self-reflect and say there's, there's a large asterisk element to selection bias. And we're as guilty of that as anybody else, perhaps even more because, you know, as we do this year over year, we get maybe a little more educated, but also a little bit more cynical. And so, you know, when we go through the, because we can only, we, we've kind of set our hard limit at a hundred, you know, we can only physically do a hundred cigars and still be uh, married happily. Um, you know, we can only devote so much time. So there's, there's brands and blends and releases that are going to release that we're not going to get around to because we just can't. And we'd love to, but we can't. So within that, there is this inherent selection bias where we say, you know, this brand has done well in the past. And so as a result, this is something that we're going to uh, probably prioritize more than a different brand that maybe hasn't performed well in the past. And I think there's a really good example, you know, since I'm representing developing palettes, I can throw us under the bus and say, we missed the boat a little bit this year on Johnny Tobacconaut because uh, Johnny Tobacconaut did really well uh, for Coop. I think it did well for Cigar Dojo. Uh, I've heard lots of people saying good things. Uh, and we kind of took a bit of a flyer on that because, you know, we kind of had established our list of cigars we we're going to view. And that was one where we said, you know, we just, we really can't fit it into our portfolio. So, um, you know, I think when we look and say, is it the best, you know, best list of cigars, I could say, well, it's the best list of cigars that we selected to review. But if we reviewed all the cigars that released in the year, that might be a different story. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of, I'm of two minds where I say the top cigars were no question, really good cigars. But I do wonder if we had the ability to review 200 cigars or 300 cigars, you know, would the average score have gone down? Because maybe when you look at the whole market and what's being released, maybe it's not up from year over year. Maybe it's about the same as it was last year, which is about the same as the year before. And so it's really tough from a data analytics perspective to, to really be objective about that because I really can't ignore the fact that, you know, we reviewed four uh, black label cigars or we reviewed, you know, three tatuajes. Uh, you know, that is an outlier. We're kind of giving that opportunity to a proven brand that probably is going to put out good stuff. So, um, Scoring is up, but uh, there's a little bias there for sure. You know, the selection bias is a key thing, John. And I'm not going to lie. There is a lot of – look, it is a subjective thing we're doing. For sure. Um, 
at the same time, there's a business aspect. We have to make sure we're getting traffic, right? Of course. We don't get traffic. It's it, So when I look at most of the traffic, they come from six brands on Cigar Coop. Tobacco USA, Davidoff, Drew Estate, uh, J- uh, STG, Rocky Patel, and Fuente. That's getting the most traffic. So what I will say is there's a lot of good cigars coming out of all those companies. So... The question is, am I going too heavy with them versus some of the other companies? And that's where we really have to be. We have to be really the, the selection. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, we're, we're all pretty small operations. We only can do so much. Um, and, and are we? we're probably missing some. Like you just mentioned, Johnny Tobacco is, yep. is a good example of that, right? Something that was, was missed. So uh, that's why I also went to the two-year rule with the list. Because if I see some stuff that maybe I didn't get to review, then it's something I could kind of go back in and say, all right, it's still eligible. I can give it another shot with that. So um, that, that was put in to solve that particular problem. And I will also say that 2023 was a better year than 2022. I'm usually wow. the one that's negative um, on on that and always going downward in the trend, but um, definitely a, a bump up. Um, and I think maybe just how things have worked out coming out of the you know COVID lockdowns and things of that nature that just uh, we've seen a little bit of an uptick in that. I'm hopeful that that's the the trajectory it stays on. Um, I would always love to see better cigars, so um, hopefully we kind of. S- can keep moving that along. I have my doubts, but we'll see how this year shakes out and kind of yeah. go from there. So, yeah, it was, like I said, it's, it's a, it's an interest. It's a subjective ex. It should be a subjective exercise. And the idea is our job is to try to find what those cigars are and how good a job we do is really up to how our audience perceives that. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other 2023 topics that we want to breach? Otherwise we can start doing a little bit of 2024 look ahead. All right. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about FDA kind of in, in the forward looking zone. So I think we'll kind of skip that unless anybody else has something they want to bring up on uh, for 2024. But um, I think the big topic, um, none of us are going to TP. Is that correct? No. Okay. No. So I don't, I'm not going to really bring that up because none of us will really be able to say whether or not, you know, well, me, it's better I, or can, not. Can okay. I ask a question on that, though? Sure. Have I mean we we are all getting the information on the TPE releases. Yes. Uh have you seen like last year I thought there was some more I thought it was a better year for TPE releases. Right. And it's been a little late, but I, I don't think this has been a terrible year for cigars that are gonna debut at the TPE. I mean, for example I think it's maybe the best year that cigars uh, oh, have debuted four, at the TPE. The, the four Altidus cigars are all compelling to me this year. Like yes. they were just like, wow, look at those cigars. That that came out, um, you know, as far as far as that goes, you know, Crown Heads has a new, you know, uh, Mil Diaz coming out, which yeah. is um, driving a lot of excitement. Which is driving excitement, yeah. Um, I just saw a new Jake Wyatt cigar. Um, mm-hmm. Hit my email today. It, um, I haven't. I think it's a fire cured cigar they're doing. So small company, but yet, you know what? I, I, it's better than me seeing like the the mixed filler Cuban sandwich or sampler packs. Um, Bundles out there, bundles. Yeah, it, this is. It's been a little more compelling with that this year, I think. So, which is, which is good. It's not like unfortunately, it's just the timing wise. I could not do TP this year. Uh, it just there's too much, and something had to give. Uh, and there were a couple things had to give, and that was you know. I know we're gonna get into that a little with the trade show. So, yep. Uh, so talking about PCA then, um, a 
big difference this year, obviously, because of the date change. Now we're you do an end of March instead of July, still in Vegas, but at the convention center rather than at um uh, at the Sands. Um just kind of overall thoughts from you guys on on what you expect from this year with the, with all those changes in place. Um, so close to TPE, all the other festivals and stuff going on, just a packed first quarter. What do you guys foresee for the PC trade show this year? I'll kick it off. I think it's going to be business as usual. I think you're going to see as many releases. I think we're going to go crazy with press releases late February, early March. The difference is I think the releases we may not see for six to eight months. But I still think you're going to see companies go into that trade show. I, I, I just think it, it, it will still be business as usual with that. There are companies going to introduce new lines. But like I said, we probably won't see those lines until late in the year. So you're going to have to wait a little longer for it. And, and why wouldn't they do that? I mean, Habanos does that. So, uh, and they get interest in it. So why wouldn't these companies take the same approach? I'm sure they have had these marketing plans for a while. So they may not have samples for us of this stuff. But that's okay. Um, so I think I think we're going to see some good things. Um, as far as the location, what I find interesting is, remember when they moved it to the convention center a few years ago? And it was this big negative reaction to it. I'm not seeing the, the negative reaction this year. I think people are so happy that the trade show is moving up. And I think, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't a fan of it, but you can't underestimate the, the, the impact it's had. Now it's PCA's job to put on a good trade show. Uh, they got rid of that last day. Now the question I have with that is, is it going to affect still the third day, right? That's, I have, because I think it's a weekend show and people are going to go home. So I don't know if they've necessarily solved that problem of the trade show being dead in the final hours either. So, I mean, that's another one I would look at. But um, I know PCA is adding some, they added an award ceremony. Originally I heard it was going to be Monday. Now I'm hearing it's going to be Sunday. Um, you know, they, I think PCA did a good job last year with the day, the day, I guess you call it day zero, right? Uh, stuff that they did. So we'll see how well they do with that this year. Had to hand roll. Uh, I think there's another hand roll coming out this year. So that should be pretty exciting. I don't know who they're getting for the blending seminar yet. Hopefully they get someone good. Um, so I think it's gonna be business as usual for that. And we could talk about 2025 in a minute. That's a different story. Do you want me to hop in? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> All right. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a mixed bag. Um, I think there's a lot of excitement about the fact that three of the big four are gonna be back. Uh, I don't think you can underscore the amount of energy that's gonna bring from a positive perspective of having this sort of excitement, large uh, festivals type of atmosphere around the PCA. I think that's really good. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who wanted it moved up to, uh, to March. Um, you know, Coop kind of alluded to, I don't think March is the ideal time frame. I mean, next year we'll get into that. I think is more the correct time frame, just from a, a timing perspective of the other festivals and other events that are going on at the first quarter. It's a very packed first quarter. And, you know, if you intend to attend Puro Sabora Pro Cigar or do any of the other festivals that tend to launch in the first quarter of the year, that timing becomes quite a bit of a struggle. And, it, and it's certainly the case for media to cover if you're, if you're doing one of those other festivals to turn around and then cover the PCA, you are scrambling a little bit. Um, but we, we aren't really the reason for the, uh, the uh, trade show, obviously. It's to do business. Yeah. So um, I think attendance is going to be up. I don't believe I'm going to go on record and say I don't think it's going to be a double-digit increase. I think it's going to be a modest increase. 
Uh, I think DP, we are a little cynical. We are going to be taking a look and watching and seeing, you know, on day two and a half, like the second half of day two to keep an eye on, you know, how many exhibitors are bailing on day two and how many exhibitors are bailing on day three, because maybe they didn't have a good show or, you know, things happen. People need to leave the show, but it's always disappointing to see an exhibitor leave before the show is over. And, uh, I will say from a personal perspective, because people have been whinging so much about the, the temperature in July, I will be keeping receipts on the number of people that make audible complaints about the temperature in March. I will be making a tally to see how many people complain about the weather in March in Vegas and, uh, and the night, smoking conditions thereof. At night when these events are all outside. That's right. And it gets freaking cold there. 45 is Vegas. great for me, but we're going to see about those Miami, uh, Miami, Nicaraguan, Dominican boys <laughs> and see how they feel about 45 degrees. <laughs> Could you picture Raphael outside smoking at 45 degrees? I know he's there. He'd be all, he's a guy who freeze like Frosty the Snowman. I mean, I'm worried about him. <laughs> he, he posted, he, I saw he posted on Facebook 55 degrees this morning. It's no, cold it, in Miami. It's yeah. cold in Miami. No, it, look, it's not great to smoke. It's a John, warm spring John, day, my friend. I know it's good for John, but, and maybe, but maybe Eric, but, but I can tell you, I don't like smoking in 45 degree weather outside. And like I said, a lot of these events have moved outside, keeping the minds, uh, the after hours events. So maybe uh, the big, uh, the big swag item is don't be handing out shirts. You better have uh, hoodies and uh, toques or, or what do, you, what do you call them in the States? Beanie caps Beanie. ready, mm-hmm. ready Beanie to go. Cap. Yeah, um, scarves, because you know, you know they're going to be out, they're going to be a hot item. I think this year. Yeah, yeah, you're going to see people. It's going to be a surprise to people on that, you know. But. Uh, we'll see how like, you know, and I, and again, people aren't going to have bar. I don't know. Bar Luca is not going to be bar Luca this year. So it's going to mm-hmm. be somewhere else. I don't know where that location is. I'm trying to figure out, I, I guess it's going to be the resorts, which to me, that's a pain in the ass to get in and out of. I'm glad we have the house. Cause I don't have to deal with that. Remember when we went there one night to the, and it was just like, we had a park in like freaking Utah. Yeah. You have to par- yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like going flying into Denver. You think you fly into Denver, but you don't fly, actually fly into Denver. You <laughs> yeah, fly right, into right. Utah and then you drive into Denver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we at? Uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, or Eric, did I, did I skip you on the PC whole PC discussion? Yeah, yeah that's wanna, right. I, I I would just my only comment is I I actually love that it's at the convention center. You you know, especially for us media guys, we can park there, we can have our stuff in the car, we can pop in, pop out. Like it's just and once you're in the convention center, it doesn't make any difference at all, yep. anyways. So that just avoids the whole, you know, walking <laughs> through the casino for 30 minutes there and 30 minutes back and blah, blah, blah. You run into 12 people. It just takes forever. So I'm excited about it being in the convention center. I like it there. I prefer it there. I prefer the hot. I would like it to be a hundred degrees all the time, every day for the rest of my life. I'd be happy with that. Preach it. But I think, I think it'll be fine. March. Yeah. It's not going to be, it's not going to be like yeah. brittle cold or anything like that. Um, well, plus we'll we see. do like you guys. We stay in a house, so yeah. I already got well, a, a nice hot tub ready to roll. So uh, we we got the fire pit. That was the key item for us yeah, this that's, year. Yeah, we got um, some. Yeah, so like yeah, that kind of stuff is is it works out great, and yeah. um, we'll see. Yeah. All right, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Do you see any significant ones in twenty twenty four? I don't know what they would be, but I'm assuming that there'll be at least one or two that surprise us all. So there's been, and and I say this just because I know it makes Eric laugh every time I say it, but 
Uh, there's been discussions for more than a year now about Davidoff uh, either selling or divesting. And this rumor just keeps circulating. And it's not my rumor. It's a rumor that just keeps circulating every year. Davidoff's going to sell. Mm-hmm. Davidoff's going to divest. And we haven't seen you know anything, any rumors to, to sort of bolster that or support that in any way. Uh, you know, obviously Davidoff's not going to be attending the PCA this year. Uh, so that's, you know, probably going to be a discussion point of, you know, what are they doing? Are they intending to, uh, attend in 2025? Uh, I, I don't think there's going to be any major acquisitions. I, I, you know, I think the major acquisitions have been completed. I think, you know, maybe we're going to see some small boutique brands, uh, get gobbled up, but I, I don't think it's going to be as noteworthy as, uh, as last year was certainly in terms of how much it's going to capture the media cycle. Mm. I've only seen four major acquisitions in the last decade. Um, and the four are Drew Estate, Oliva, Agio, and Alec Bradley. Anything else wasn't, they were brand acquisitions, they were licensing agreements. But those, when I talk Thompson? about those, well, that's a retailer. Okay. Yeah, that's an acquisition. Okay. Like the- yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll edit my comment to manufacturers. Okay. Um, you know, they were all like when I say with those four, those are ones where they were the companies were acquired lock, stock, and barrel. So, you know, all not just the inventory, the employees were 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 integrated in there, um, physical facilities. So I my guess is we're not gonna have a major one this year. Um, I've heard some rumors of a factory or two for sale, possibly. I, I'm not really putting a lot into that yet, but I have been hearing of, of a couple of factories that could be up for sale right now. Um, that that could be interesting, but they're not big factories, is what I'll say either. So, um, and they're more factories that focus specifically on manufacturing and don't have like big brands um, that they sell. So, my guess is we may see another Room 101 type of thing, which. I know people said it was a big acquisition. It really wasn't a big acquisition. Taranio really wasn't a big acquisition when you when you look at that. So um if it's any now retailer, I don't I don't know if I have anything on the I, I've heard of one retailer possibly selling. So one one big catalog place. And it's one that has been rumored to be sold for a while. I don't wanna, you know, I don't want to put misinformation out there, but you guys could read between the lines and figure that one out. Or with an F? Yes, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> all right, maybe. <laughs> um, all right, uh, let's go back to Ecuador. So, with the tobacco issues there, political issues going on, do you do we see that this is going to be a, a big deal? Because we, we talked about how much Ecuadorian tobacco is being used for rap, especially for rappers, uh, in this past year. Do we see a that this is a major effect on on brands going forward. Not for the big companies, but for the smaller ones, yes. And uh, I do see that as a potential issue right now. I think the big ones have been securing their tobacco, and they've been much better probably prepared for this. The smaller ones are going to struggle a bit. All these Sumatra blends right now. I just what's going to are people going to be able to get if they have enough tobacco? Then it's not an issue. But there's a lot of companies that don't have enough tobacco. Um, and what so what's happening is you're seeing some of the other countries now pick up the slack for wrapper. What I've been told basically is when that slack gets picked picked up, it's going to affect binder and filler. 
Um, I'm worried about the quality of some of that stuff. Will, will things that will maybe binder now suddenly become wrapper quality, you know? So I, I, I do think it's going to affect it quite a bit. I'm very worried about the shade market right now because Ecuador really has the hold on the shade market big time. So, uh, but like I said, the big companies have their shade and they're going to get through this. It's, it's the smaller ones, which are going to be the problem. So I think like Perdomo, I think I'm sure has enough shade, General, Altis, they have enough. I'm not worried about them, but will some of these smaller companies that have like small to medium-sized factories, will they, will they feel that? Um, and I think they will feel it. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, the sort of three things that I'm looking for is, uh, are we going to see uh, mid-year price increases from some of the smaller brands who have to have to make uh, cost decisions to acquire that tobacco that they weren't necessarily prepared for? Because as Coop said, you know, may maybe they don't have the buying capacity to buy tobacco for two years or three years. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be one thing to look for. The second is, are we going to see a jump in the number of limited releases that are put out in 2024? as they struggle to commit to a full release of a, of a cigar of a new line. And then the third one that we're going to be looking for is, you know, with the trade show being early in the year with them committing to a new release for 2024, are we going to see a big, uh, you know, you would think with the trade show being early in the year that we should see more cigars released mid year. Uh, but are we going to see a big slew of releases getting pushed even later this year as a result of, inability to get tobacco to complete releases and have them shipped in time um, to, to sort of make the calendar year. So those are the three things that I'm kind of looking for. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, I doubt we're going to notice any difference at all. That's um, my prediction. I, I'd be Strong all prediction. for less Ecuadorian rapper. So, um, you know, if you got other countries and to Coop's point, if binder becomes wrapper, I I'm fine with that. I don't care how the cigar looks; just make it flavorful. So if you can have yeah. a more flavorful wrapper by an ugly wrapper, let's do it. You know, um, <laughs> I, I don't care what it looks like; just give me the flavor. So uh, I, that's why I kind of it's not the biggest Ecuadorian tobacco fan. So. Yeah, but you know what's going to be interesting is, and I I get I get caught in this every time trap, like a new. A, a tobacco is coming out of this off the wall country and it's in the blend. And I'm really, wow, it's, it's this cigar is going to have a Paraguayan wrapper, right? <laughs> and every time this happens, right, I'm disappointed. I, I think JRE has done the best. So far, I think JRE has done the best job at being able to come up with these innovative like things for rapper uh, mm -hmm. from that form. I think they've absolutely, I think AJ's done a, a, a good job. I think the Nicaraguan Broadleaf, it, it's, it, you know, it takes a few crop cycles, I think, to start getting this stuff going. But some of these other, like I said, I, I, I'm not getting caught up anymore with the Paraguayan rap cigar, the, uh, the <laughs> Colombian rap cigar. It's, I'm not falling for that anymore. Yeah. Undisclosed. <laughs> Undisclosed, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, there was a DP. There was a DP review today on some tobacco, and I, I was like, "Why are we? Why are we doing this?" Like, yeah. you know, it sounds great on paper, and then when you smoke it, you know what? It's the tobaccos that come out of DR, Nicaragua, US, and Honduras that are really in Ecuador. Those five countries; those are the yeah. ones giving really producing the best tobaccos right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Costa Rica in there a little bit, maybe. Costa, Costa, yeah, Costa Rica. I put a little Costa Rica in there. You want to throw a little Peru yeah. in there, but, but you know, again, you know, when you start going deeper into Peruvian tobacco, I've I've had Peruvian puros. They're not that great. I gotta be honest with you. So yes, I remember with the Azteca. 
there was well, yeah, there was was it Azteca? I know the one. Um, yeah, Inca. Inca was Inca. One. Sorry, that Inca. was a, it. Was a it was a you know it just wasn't it, it it sounded great on and innovative on paper. Well, Aaron, you talk about flavor. The flavor just is not as good as like. There's a reason why all these countries, you know, we get great blends out of those countries I mentioned. You know, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I do worry a little bit that, uh, you know, we'll see a spike in Mexican San Andre that isn't necessarily, you know, their kind of primary choice of wrapper and they kind of had to pivot to Mexican San Andre. I think we saw that a couple of years ago where it seemed like everything was Mexican San Andre and the difference between, you know, good and not good was very, very wide. Like it was a significant difference. So, you know, I hope we don't see that through mm. 2024. Um, and obviously I hope for the people of Ecuador that, things kind of calm down and industry gets back to back to normal. Cause you know, these are people's livelihoods. So it'd be good to see, see things yeah. stabilize a little bit. Yeah. I'm really excited about Tayamo coming back and you know, the turns have done some very good Mexican Puro blends. Yeah. So, um, I have a lot of confidence with something like that. Cause it, it it's not a first time thing. They Mexican Puro blends have been done in there. <laughs> the the Casa Turrets were very good. And, been so selling I'm, them in Canada confident. for decades. Yeah. But I, yeah. Yeah, the Casa Terrence uh, is just a brand that they didn't have the marketing with it. Uh, but yep. they were really good cigars that they were coming out with that with that company. Yep. All right, the last topic I have is quantity of new releases in 2024. We kind of talked a little bit about around it, about TPE, PCA. But I'm curious with kind of just the, 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 the market itself, with the change in dates, uh, do, do you think that we're going to see Similar number of releases we did last year, more releases, less releases. Where do you think that's going to shake out at the end of the year? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll go ahead, Coop. I'm going to say more because companies, like I said, they're not going to be under pressure to get these cigars. I'm sure some are going to try to release cigars right away, but I think, you know, the fact that, you know, probably a lot of these releases are not going to release till late in the year. Why not use, why not? Otherwise, you're going to have to wait a whole other year before. You come out with these cigars, so why not like show them off at the trade show, and then just do your your ship schedule accordingly right now? So yeah. I, I actually think it's going to be an increase this year, not a huge one, but but I think we'll be I think we'll be surprised what we're going to see. Plus, uh, you got the whole factor of the sort of the the FDA let up, and so who hmm. knows how long that's going to last? Get that so, out now. Limiteds are easy to get. Yeah, out. take take uh what do you, what do they say? Uh, make hay when the sun shines. Is that is that the saying? Make, that know, is make the saying. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like you gotta you can take advantage of the freedom. Um. So I I think Coop could be right on this one. And you're the line extension. You know, if you hmm. you're the line, it could be another year of the line extension. Um. You're the limited. So I mean, those two are going to be able. I think you'll see more more. I, a lot of those, what I'm talking about, the increase, you'll probably see more in that category. Uh, for sure. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, bullish. Um, I'm gonna say I think uh, <laughs> releases are gonna be flat this year. I think uh, I don't see so you're bearish. You're gonna be bearish. bearish. Bear behind you says different. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say bearish. I think uh, I think releases are gonna be fairly flat year over year. I don't think we're gonna see a big jump. Uh, I do agree with Coop. I think we're gonna see more of a shift of uh, focus on line extensions through 2024 rather than new brands. Um, you know, I think, uh, and I, and I do believe that we're going to see some of those releases pushed, uh, later in the year for 2024 than, than they, what they were in 2023. So for reviewers that might create a bit of a challenge through kind of, uh, the April, May, June timeline where we might be scrambling a little bit to, uh, 
get our hands on some of the new product for 2024. I think that might be a bit of a challenge for us this year, more than years in the past. Yeah. My, my wish is that they, everybody takes kind of a, take it easy this year. Hmm. Don't rush anything (laughs) out. Just go slow. Next year, you're going to be on your cycle after this trade show here in, in Mm -hmm. March, into March, you'll have your whole year to get it done. Just take it easy this year. Make it really quality for 2025. I know that's not what the everyone wants to hear for this year, but just you know, just take it easy. Don't don't go crazy here. You know, don't don't rush anything out. I do. I I gotta say, Aaron. Um, I I like the sort of the Perdomo strategy of just because there's a trade show doesn't mean we have to have a new cigar every trade yep, show. Yeah, like you have you know. D- be with I the purpose, so. you know, release your cigars with a purpose like Perdomo does. Like, uh, I feel like a lot of these companies feel like, oh, well, there's TP, we got to have something for TP. Oh, there's PCA, we got to have something for B-. You don't necessarily have to. You could go to the show and just offer some sort of deal or different, you know, um, maybe some other different sort of pack packaging or whatever. You don't always have to have a new cigar for every show and then you just end up with a million SKUs and then you got to get rid of them. Like, I, I like that more. Uh, uh, I, I appreciate that approach so much more. I can't see Perdomo coming out with a new cigar this year no, at the trade show. No. And they sh- I don't think they should. I mean, if Nick's listening, I don't think he should because 30th got off to a nice start. You have now uh, a great chance. to Maybe they'll look at opening up more shops with that. I think that may be a goal they look at. Right. You can do tra- other goals besides a new cigar. Yeah, and you'll get a lot of retailers who want it. That's, if they do that, you'll get a lot of more retailers that will, will do that. So I think there's a lot... You know, a lot of people haven't even tried that cigar, I'm sure, yet. Who are, um, there's shops that don't have it. So I think it's... I, I agree with you. I don't think you, you, you need to do that. Um, I mean, if you're one of the big four companies, it's a different story. You have much more of a bigger product innovation pipeline. So, I mean, and you can do it, right? But, you know, Perdomo's, I think, Perdomo, you know, I think the six, Perdomo's probably the seventh company I'd put into that group. I don't know. I mean, I've heard Saka say he's this is going to be a slower year for him. Yeah, he said that <laughs> on our show. Yeah. He'll probably only have four releases. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> right. So, um, but I think this is a good year for Steve to kind of wind it down a little. His portfolio is getting pretty big. Yeah, of those right. four, his goal is the top three in the consensus, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, so. get the Wagashis out to everybody, and you'll win the consensus next year. I mean, that's what, that's um on that. Yeah. Uh, any topics that we didn't hit that you guys wanted to mention at all, or we can wrap do, this one up. Do right we want to talk about uh, looking forward trade show twenty twenty five? That that was mine too. Go ahead. Yeah, let's do that one. Twenty twenty five, New Orleans, change in look. Kate, I kind of want to bring back something. Coop, do you think that nobody's complaining about Las Vegas, Las Vegas Convention Center because they realize that the next year they have to go to New Orleans? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I, I, you know, I go back to when we were sitting in the uh, mm. the opening day, and Scott Pierce makes two announcements. He first just reiterates the announcement: uh, trade shows moving to March. Standing ovation, applause. Uh, then, oh, we're going to New Orleans in twenty twenty five. No booing, but it was like. <laughs> lukewarm clapping you can see it and i think that's the 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 scenario that happens there um pca i think is look i think they've done a great job at resurrecting that whole organization and you got to give scott a lot of credit um a lot of us remember the 2015 show in new orleans um the one thing i have confidence with is that this staff knows they have to do i I think it's gonna be in new orleans at least two years i I don't think it's gonna anything i'm here i don't goes further 
they have to show that they can make an experience in New Orleans. That's going to be the key thing in 2025. I have confidence in the PCA as it stands with the board and the executive staff. They will do that. That could change in a year. If things change, I don't know. People are in and out of roles. That that's going to. But they have to figure. They have to figure of getting a big experiential. They have a lot of challenges with New Orleans, but there's also huge cost savings going to New Orleans. So it's in their best interest to figure out how to really knock it out of the park in 2025. Because if they can sell the industry that New Orleans is a viable place for a trade show, it could be a, a vibrant, exciting place to go at, at the time of the year people like, then they're going to be in good shape. But that's, that's a challenge, and it's going to take a lot of work to do that. God, I'm dreading that so badly. I'm dreading that so badly. <laughs> it might be the first trade show, but we just don't go to because uh, we have I, ben, we have Ben. Ben is going to be key with us. Oh, he's a, he's a he's a Cajun guy, so he has vowed to make the experience great for us no matter what. Yeah, the announcement I'm expecting uh, at the media panel this year, the big news I'm expecting is a multi-year contract for New Orleans to to carry through 2025, 2026. I think that's the. Uh, I think you have to. I think just from a, a perspective of making the cost benefit for manufacturers, exhibitors to ship to New Orleans, um, I think it makes a lot more sense to have it two years so that it kind of buffers that cost a little bit before you decide to go back to Vegas or wherever that you know 2027 timeline will be, which doesn't even seem like a real year, but... Um, you know, you kind of you kind of have to plan a couple, two, three years in advance to to know where you're going to land, so that people can plan for that. Um, and you know, like you said, Coop, I think they've they've done a lot of really great things. They've moved in a really positive direction. There's lots of opportunities, so uh, it'll be it'll be up to the PCA as to whether they can deliver that experiential thing for New Orleans. If it was the old regime in charge, I would tell you this would be I like I'd be like Eric. I don't know if I, you know, it's just, yeah, that's how I, I would look at that. Um, but I agree. I think a multi-year, at least two years, is in the best interest of the PCA uh, because if they could sell the industry on New Orleans, the costs of operating the trade show are so much cheaper in New Orleans. And as long as they got all the commitments from New Orleans that, you know, we could do things in it. Um, I think it could be a, a, a big hit. I do think they want to eventually get it back to Vegas, but... Um, hey, if it's a cost, if it's a profitable show and people are happy, why would they change it at that point? But they're going to have to sell the industry on this and it's going to take a lot of work. All right. Uh, any other topics that we missed? All it, right. Go ahead. No, we hit limited. I think we hit the limited stuff already. I was going to yeah. say, so I think we're good with that. I hit yeah. those long with the anniversary stuff. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. All right, I think that's a wrap. So, Eric, I know it's a big week on Dojo. What you got going over there the rest of the week? All right, so uh, Wednesday, uh, Flavor Odyssey, we are doing the M81 Maduro from Drew Estate with the blackened whiskey uh, whiskey. pairing. So uh, it seems like uh, all the fellas, we all have sort of a different version of the blackened whiskey, so that'll be fun. Um and so we'll be doing that. And then Friday, I can't say the show yet, but I can just tell you guys that you're going to really like it. It's going to be fun. And if you're into the year-end lists, this could be one of the most wild things you've ever seen. And then uh, we have a special show coming up on on Thursday. It's early in the day. 
on February 8th. We have Michael Knowles, a uh, popular podcaster who started his own cigar brand called Mayflower Cigars, which sold a gazillion already. Um, so we're going to have him on the show, which is going to be a ton of fun. That's uh, Thursday, February 8th. It's an early start time at like 6 Eastern. Um, so uh, strange time, but that was the only ch- time we could get him. So uh, we'll be doing that on uh, February 8th. Awesome. All right, Coop, I know you got a couple shows going on this week. Yeah, we have actually, uh, I'll talk about three in the next week. So we have two big game shows. Um, they're different shows. So the first one is tomorrow with John Carney, who has kind of done the Super Bowl show with us since Stogie Geeks days. So we always bring John Carney on. That's a, that's kind of a hardcore, you know, a definite sports talk thing with that. Um, but we're also doing one on Jukebox on Monday. Uh, John's going to be a part of that because John kind of did the NFL picks with us at the beginning of the year. That one's going to be focused. There's more. There's going to be more of a music slant with that one too because we talk a lot about the halftime shows and the performances. And you know, Dave is Dave is more into the halftime shows than the game, even though he <laughs> yeah. loves football. So uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of Taylor Swift talk with that. You know, um, so so that's exciting. But we different than than the two different shows entirely. And then that's what I want is more Taylor Swift talk. <laughs> well, that's going to be a lot of debate. You know, can't get sure. away from it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> like, we did a Taylor Swift show and it was one of our most viewed jukebox shows ever. It was in the top five of all time. So it just goes okay. to show you the, the sorry state of the world that we live in. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, we get big, the biggest that, name right? in music, man. You, you know, it's, listen, it, they're going to rename the Kansas, Kansas city Swifties. Uh, you know, if it goes on long enough. Yeah. And then we haven't announced this yet. So Aaron, and I, I just told Aaron about today, uh, Thursday on primetime, a really good friend of the show coming on. Uh, always a great show. Jeff Borchowitz of Corona cigar is going to be a guest. Uh, one thing we're going to, I know one thing we're definitely going to talk about with Jeff is his um, end of year list. Uh, Cause there's always interesting data to get through with that. So, um, and we haven't had Jeff on for actually almost two years. So pretty, pretty excited to have that. We'll talk about, you know, uh, you know, FSG, you know, state of the industry. Jeff's always uh, entertaining with that. So that will be on, on Thursday night. I'm really glad we have him back there. So, um, and he has agreed to do, you know, I already told him about the list thing, so he's all excited about it. So nice. Yep. Awesome. Yep. All right, Eric, I want to thank you. Coop, I want to thank you. John, thank you yep. as always. Uh, There's always a fun conversation getting us together and kind of reminiscing and looking forward. So I appreciate that. Looking at do this uh, again uh, in the future as well. So thank you all that tuned in. Um, enjoy uh, the wrap on 2023 this week on Developing Palettes. We'll have our value cigar of the year a list going up tomorrow. Uh, and then Friday, uh, we will share all of our uh, kind of review data in regards to averages for uh, price and each of the guys' review scores and by country and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we're wrapping up 2023 this week, looking forward to 24. So thank you all for joining again, and uh, we'll catch you all on the next one. See you.